everybody, and welcome to episode 330 of Vigigame Apocalypse. I'm your host, Michael Raparez. Who else is here in the mystical, magical, your name here, Memorial Studio of the Airwaves with me? MCU refugee Chris Antista. And uh, the remnant from the ashes... Never mind. Um, Matthew Allen. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is a shameless, shameless plug, I didn't plug, commit. Sir. I didn't commit. <laughs> but I still got the plug so, in. I can't wait to talk about that game. And joining us for the first time ever, special guest... Uh, Greg, I didn't think of a gag more. Sorry. <laughs> you know what? I was I... thinking, should I have warned him? But you said you listen every week, so... Yeah, and I yeah, I even thought of it a few days ago. I was like, I'll think of one later. Eh, that's, didn't. Fine. that's fine. I'm sorry. That's more their rule than mine, so don't, don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> anyway, it's going to be a fun show. Uh, we, we are going to take a look this week at... Games that you, you said this is lost in translation. This is this is going to be games that became something completely different mm-hmm. as they were being translated from Eastern shores to Western. Oh, yes. In it. all honesty, I wasn't sure if you'd use that title because there was a similar sort of a similar show mm-hmm. a while back that mm-hmm. wasn't. It was games that had lost a license or or gained a license in translation, right? From from Japan yeah, we, to America. Yeah, we had done that a long time ago, and yeah. that that was like done that. that was games you didn't know were licensed. Ah, okay. Like, okay. did you know that Kung Fu was actually based on a Jackie Chan movie? Wheels on Wheels. Yep, mm. you'll hear about it in an upcoming Laser Time. Did you know that Snoopy's Olympic Games was actually Donald Duck's Olympic Games? Yeah. <gasps> Did you know that Kid yeah. Clown was actually Mickey Mouse, which was actually Whoa! a Crazy Castle game? <laughs> and I also believe we did a Lost in Translation episode with Greg on Laser Time about <laughs> the translations of other media. Just because, like, it's it's still funny to me that like that that like fading internet meme of "Do not want" is is that's literally from a translation of Do- Darth Vader saying no. Yes, yes, that is from a, a somebody picked up a bootleg. Chinese DVD of episode three of Star Wars, and it had these weird machine translated English subtitles for some reason. Uh, and like they they just put put them all up on like a blog, and and that was like do not want instead of no. Uh, but you know that there was like the the word fuck got worked into a lot more of those, probably like ten thousand percent more than was in the original movie, nice. which is zero. I, mean, I, was, I was telling my my friend's kid the other day that like we were, we were playing DBZ fighters or excuse me Dragon Ball fighters, mm-hmm. and uh, and. I was telling that, like, yeah, I, I grew up like watching those in. I grew up watching fan translated DBZ episodes in Winamp. Mm. A lot of cursing. Oh yeah, because people just yeah. I'm guessing Krillin is just yelling "cunt" here. That's mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. what's happening. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that that was Star Wars Episode Three: Backstroke of the West, which is how Revenge of the Sith was translated. <laughs> oh, uh, no. The Jedi Order becomes the Presbyterian Church. Uh, <laughs> it's great. I I strongly recommend looking it up. And there there actually was a news hook for for our topic this week. That we knew we wanted to do something translation related because uh, what happened to the Grandia HD collection? Oh, I didn't see this. German. I just knew I just knew we were having Greg on, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm sure Greg won't toot his own horn, but you are sort of the one of the only people I've known to work at all these levels of localization, including like books. Which is difficult. Not, yeah, I've actually not done games, but you know, mm-hmm. I obviously pay a lot of attention to games organizations. Um, yeah, I've done books and comics and a bunch of odds and ends. 
Wait, what's the deal with the Grandia one though? Did, it, did uh, they botch it? They they botched something important in uh, in German. So oh. during during battle, like words will pop up on screen like hit or miss, mm-hmm. and specifically miss was translated as Fraulein in German. <laughs> <laughs> that was making the rounds on Twitter. <laughs> That's like I saw some guy. Uh, like he posted something in broken Japanese and he was like, sorry for my bad translation. And it was clear from his bad translation that it was a Google translation right. and that mm-hmm. he had, uh, he had typed your, uh, Y O U R when he meant your Y O U apostrophe R E, which would completely change the translation, but he was trying to pass it off as his own. Oh, that'll choke a babble fish. Yeah. 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 I, I don't know if you could, it, I, I told Michael like let's do some of the localization with Greg because I was I, I always remember you telling me about because Greg and I worked at Capcom a long time ago and well longer for me less for Greg but that that oh, how Ace Attorney's name was or like Phoenix Wright's name was translated and it's like something that doesn't make sense in English like something Naruhodo it, which, it's a pun yeah, it right was, it's, it's it a pun was, in Japanese uh, sort of uh, um, not even like I guess it's a pun um, it's sort of but it's like not just a pun it's also just sort of like there's symbolism in the characters they use and you know there's like layers Mm -hmm. uh, like to the name that give it meaning and none of them make sense if you just transliterate the japanese so they actually thought very deeply about like how can we translate the ideas behind the name and and i think you said the name right is like because his japanese name is an exclamation for correct or something like that or well yeah yeah naruhodo that's like it's like ah i see or ah you you could you could translate it as like ah right yeah that was something as as an uh an anime fan in the 90s when translators would talk a lot about and like include essays on the translation in the comics there's this whole other layer to japanese where like you said the the kanji the chinese characters can have completely different meanings depending on context and how they're read like so for example there's a character in the series uh urusei yatsura who's this little monk named cherry and it's the english word cherry and but he his his actual name is like sakuranbo but then the way that that's written out in kanji is like you can read it as mentally deranged monk <laughs> all right <laughs> yeah so i've also heard that urusei is a is a pun uh, where that's that's like uh, a short shorthand word for Uranus, the planet, because uh, it's about space aliens, I guess. But it also sense. means yeah. like obnoxious. Yeah, yeah, obnoxious. And then Urusai is like shut up. And yeah, yeah, I had a friend Urusai, who insisted Urusai, that the, the title translated to "shut up, you aliens," which I don't think that's true. But that's pretty good. Anyway, we're digressing. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but yeah, tell us a little bit more about your experience with localization. This uh, this is something I didn't know much about. No, no, well, I have, yeah, like, I've, I've never localized games, mm-hmm. but, um, I, you know, I studied Japanese in college, and, um, the first job out the gate was freelance, uh, translation of light novels, and, you know, they were, like, I guess, like, juvenile fiction, or, like, young adult mm-hmm. stuff, there, there was this one that was, like, sort of a Harry Potter knockoff, um, with poop or something because their young affection no, is battle royale <laughs> like it was just well. like it had like illustrations with uh sort of cutesy anime aesthetic and this was all stuff that i wasn't particularly interested in and i was way out of my depth but it kind of got my feet wet and then when i lived in japan and my japanese got better i and I had that contact from the novels I had translated. I got a few more books under my belt. I did the Afro Samurai manga, which oh, was whoa. just a two-volume thing. 
Uh, and it was like it was probably like eighty percent onomatopoeias. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, let's see. So then I came back and and got a job at Capcom, but I wasn't uh, on the production side. I I did translation, but it was like boring correspondence stuff, like translating sometimes, emails. And, sometimes you were translating yeah. shit live on the TGS floor for us. And- yeah, actually, that that was a pretty exciting. Uh, that, that was like one of the more exciting things I did with the language at Capcom. We we yeah, interviewed our videos. That was a, a super big TGS for Capcom. I feel like we had like seven or eight games on display, mm-hmm. um, and we interviewed the producers for each one. And it was like three minute interviews each, and like some of the some of them were really good, and others were like, "I told you we can't talk about the game." And we're like, "Well, then why'd you agree to the interview?" Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the joys of working for anyway. But <laughs> everybody's wasting but, everyone's time. What is this? Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I'm glad we flew over here. Then, thank you. Yes, yes, yeah, it's yeah. important. <laughs> Um, and then it's just been other odds and ends. Most recently, uh, I did the FLCL Archives art book, oh, nice. which again, not super dense, uh, but it was a cool project. And I, before that, I did the Daigo Umehara manga series. It's a, it's based on his actual life. Wow. Uh, and I translated, I think, six volumes, and only two have come out. And I think it's kind of stuck in licensing limbo right now. But I hope the rest come out because it's actually really interesting. And Greg did like something I'd always dreamed of. He did a couple of videos with us on our YouTube channel where we played some seriously quirky Japanese games that kind of needed on-the-fly translation. And Greg can do that. <laughs> Man, if, if you ever get the ability to... Uh stream or capture saturn games i'm all in <laughs> yeah i mean we can, i can do that now yeah well the um what is it the polymega is going to be coming out sooner or later and that has built-in mm-hmm. saturn emulation and hdmi Ooh. output oh, um, yeah. if i can just drop a little uh plug for that i guess something that's I'm like excited this, the for. swiss army console right mm-hmm. yeah 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 and then you buy the the modules to that have different cartridge plugs but yeah, looks looks like Very fun. Cool. I'm, I'm excited to see the reviews of it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but we we should uh, get to talking about these weird localization. I'm not going to call them disasters. Some of them were actually really awesome. But uh, that these games completely changed uh, going from Japan to the U.S. And we will jump into them right after this. You know, in the age of iPhones, we are all walking around with some of the best cameras we've ever had. And with these good cameras, we all have tons of photos. But when you get that really perfect picture and you want to turn it into something real that you can see every day, PosterBurner.com can turn your photos into amazing prints. Imagine walking into your room, your apartment, whatever, just seeing that perfect family photo, vacation picture... Or if you need to get a gift for family or friends, there's nothing in this price range that's going to be as impressive and meaningful as a custom print. PosterBurner.com is easy to use, affordable, and the quality is truly top-notch. They make amazing posters. And when they say posters, they don't mean these like flimsy poster prints you find in like, stores in the mall. No, no, no. These are like thick, premium photo paper. And you can get a 24 by 36 movie-sized poster for under 20 bucks. They also make premium canvas prints, metal prints, decals, stickers, almost anything you can imagine printing. These guys got you covered. I ordered a canvas print for my wall, and it looks awesome. It's a high-quality canvas we're talking here. We're talking, like, stuff you would see in an art gallery. It's got that matte finish because, hey, I'm classy like that. It was also super easy to order. I just uploaded the picture, chose the size, the options I wanted. I was able to complete the order in a matter of minutes. So decorate your PC tower, your Switch, your PS4, Xbox controller, whatever, man. Anything you want to put a sticker on or a print, you can just go nuts. 
at posterburner.com. So take our advice, do as we say, save a little money for a rainy day. Just go to posterburner.com slash VGA today and you'll get an additional 10% off your order. That discount applies to every type of print they offer. Again, that's posterburner.com slash VGA, posterburner.com slash VGA. And we're back to talk about what? Games Lost in Translation by Bill Murray. Yeah, that movie was great. <laughs> I loved it. It had no flaws whatsoever. Sophia Coppola is <laughs> a kidding? visionary that holds up really director. Well. Yeah, no, it, it was good. It was good. I liked it. I like that you said it was by Bill Murray. Like, like as was. if he wrote and directed uh-huh. and Well, everything. there actually wasn't a script. He just ad-libbed the whole thing, including Scarlett Johansson's parts, and then she acted out whatever he did. Yes. So in, the, was, in the in the, in the, If you look closely in the credits, you could see that he was the puppeteer for Sophia. Coppola. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Everything was added in post. It was just mm-hmm. just Bill Murray mm-hmm. Sophia, in a karaoke room by himself. Yeah. Sophia Coppola is actually a Sesame Street Muppet uh, that they they stole, and you know the Francis Bill Ford Murray Coppola legally anything. recognized as his daughter. Cast in Godfather Three. I will say that that scene early on when he's doing the commercial and the director is just going on and on, and the interpreter is like, he says, "Look at the camera," <laughs> and that's all you get. Mm-hmm. I, you know. I used to think that was funny because, like, ha, ah, what a crappy translator. But now I, I think about that scene and I'm like, yeah, I totally feel for her because, like, <laughs> the guy, like the these prima donna, like, cr- like producers and directors, they just go on and on and they love hearing themselves talk and they're really saying like very little of substance and you have to try and extract that on the fly oh, and geez. it sucks. I just remember at the time that felt like the cheapest, most obvious joke in the movie, but still got laughs because I'm like, yeah, that's kind of what we always used to used to do. Mm-hmm. So it was followed by a ring a ding ding. <laughs> okay, <laughs> movie's good. The movie's good is what I'm saying. Yeah, it's a great movie. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it would hold up terribly. I'm just saying. You watched it recently? Well, I saw it in the theater about five years ago, and oh, I hadn't okay. seen it since like three times during the initial yeah. release, and I thought it'd be like some there'd be something super embarrassing about it, but it, it wasn't. Yeah, cool. All right, well, let's just begin with... Number five. I should say all of these are quite old because uh, this isn't something that happens a lot anymore. But Chris, what is this? I don't know, but it's very familiar. Uh, Let me jog your memory. Have you ever been frustrated because the Noid ruined your pizza? Oh, God The Noid loves to ruin pizza. Whole Domino's pizza. We both should have known We this. avoid the Noid. <laughs> we keep the Noid out and all this quality in. Taste the quality. Domino's pizza delivers in less than 30 minutes. So yeah, the Noid, of course, as everyone knows, was a Domino's pizza mascot, a little claymation gremlin that would employ various Ooh. complicated tech devices to destroy pizzas. And you can legally and accurately say claymation, because that's a term owned by Will Vinton, the creator mm-hmm. of the Noid. Yes. It was literal claymation, not stop motion. Yes, it was. It's oh. funny you say, you say gremlin, because just listening to his laugh just now, I noticed for the first time, he's just like that doofus gremlin from Gremlins 2. Yes. Huh. <laughs> Same archetype. Huh. Yes. You mean the better Gremlins movie? Yes. No, I'm just trolling. I do mean that. Mm-hmm. I'm just trolling. They're both <laughs> wonderful. I love Gremlins 2. So you, 
Yo Noid was an NES game made by Capcom. You Noid. <laughs> yeah, you Noid. You Noid. You Noid. Well, the, well there's the, there's our first translation. Yeah. <laughs> well, the punctuation's kind of weird because it's it's not Yo Noid. It's Yo uh, uh, exclamation point Noid. Noid. Ah. <laughs> I mean, should have been yo yeah. Kamen no mm-hmm. But this was fine. this was adapted from a Japanese game called Kamen no Ninja Hanamaru, which sounded actually like this. That's the same stage that we heard earlier. Um, I heard a ninja in there somewhere. Same yeah. collection sound effects, but like a definitely an Eastern vibe yeah, to the music. Yeah, definitely. Well, you you start as a masked ninja boy who uh, has a little bird that he attacks with, like a boomerang. It just flies out, attacks enemies, and comes back. Much like oh. Denoid has a yo-yo. Ah. And it's actually interesting to see how they adapted the sprites, because like Hanamaru, the, the ninja, he carries the bird kind of slightly behind him, like it's it's sitting on his shoulder or something. Meanwhile, the Noid has a giant hand with the yo-yo in it sitting in roughly the same place and that disappears when yo-yo, he Yo-yo, a weapon highly underutilized since the NES days after pretty much Goonies 2 mm-hmm. and Yo-Noid. Yeah. It took Quentin Tarantino to get some respect Circus out of the Caper. fucking yo-yo. But this, this game is really weird to view in the context of advert gaming. Like, I think we've Included it in a list of advert games that don't suck before, but uh, this is—I'm—I'm I'm not convinced it's an advert game. Going back and looking at it, there is no dominoes, logos, or anything in this. I they, think Capcom might have actually paid to license the character I think, itself. I think that's how those work back then. Is I. It's hard to call them advert games because you're right. It's like even this or like the California Raisins, mm-hmm. you know, with games. It's it. I think they were just the characters were so popular. Yeah. Even the Chester Cheetah game, it's like he had a game, right? Yeah, he did. He had yeah. a couple. But it's like they're not really going after. There might be some Cheetos in there, or whatever. But it was like literally, no, that character is huge. You you know that if they could have, they would have gotten Joe Camel in a mm. game somehow. Oh right. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Um, Some epic RPG. <laughs> <laughs> no, it just would have been Custer's Revenge with his giant no, dick nose. Well, the the thing is, that, like, the Noid in this version does not appear to be interested in destroying pizzas. He wants to eat pizzas. And, in fact, like, the ending is, is him just, like, going up to... Like some kiosk that just says pizza at the top where like an Italian chef is standing out front and the Italian chef like bends down and gives him a stack of pizzas. That That's the ending. And so Kamen no Ninja Hanamaru had boss battles in the form of they, they were like card battles where you would have like a bunch of cards that represented ninja magic and attacks and each one had a point value. And so the boss would play one and then you'd pick from a limited pool of cards and say, like, OK, I'm going to play this now. Basically, just deciding I'm going to win or lose this round. Uh, as Slay the Spire. Got yeah. it. Yeah. I guess. I haven't played that yet. It's but cool. huh. those sounded like this. Imagine a, another rival ninja sitting on top of a giant frog uh, using lightning attacks on you. Eat your heart out, Hearthstone. Fuck that shit. Hard battle. Uh, Meanwhile, the Noid uh, had boss battles that were pretty much mechanically the same, but they were against other Noids of different colors. He was red and the other Noids were like green or purple or something. And they sounded like this. I think I like this one a little bit better. They're both good. 
just impressed that they they did all new music. Like they didn't have to yeah, do that. It yeah, could have yeah, just yeah. been. It's, I wouldn't. It's not a palette swap. I guess it's a sprite swap. Yeah, you know? but like even even the stages, the the layouts, the sprites that they use are different, and there are some similarities. Like Hanamaru has an ice stage where there are like polar bears running around, and the, the Noids version seems to be like either on rooftops that are made out of glass or ice, or or maybe it's like supposed to be like a hockey rink sort of thing. Mm. But it's on these tiered platforms, and there are polar bears there, but they're all dressed in like hockey gear, which is strange. Okay. And but they, and they both have like the third the third stage is uh, a skateboarding stage. The first stage rises and falls with water all around. It's like a flood. Now, do we know? Did this game come out before or after they had to discontinue the Noid because of that one dude who had mental problems? Oh yeah, that his name was Noid, and he thought that the Noid was a personal attack on him. I'll, I'll <laughs> never not think that's fake, but I've just come across it so many times. There was a person named Noid. Yes. Well, no, yes. Who well, Kenneth Lamar Noid yeah. and thought uh, it was mocking him and committed murder because rampage? of it, didn't he? He like he, what? I thought he killed yeah. some people. Entered a Domino's restaurant in uh, Chamley, Georgia, armed with a 357 Magnum, oh the Dirty God. Harry gun, Fuck. and held two employees for over five hours. That's what okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they, they discontinued that mascot. So I wonder if this game came out before or after that. It, after, actually. Really? Hmm. Yes. Wow. But, like, I don't know, as a, as a little kid, it was like, it was really hard not to like this character. And I, it, it was one of those situations I remember... We should, let's we'll, we'll order pizza. I'm like, let's get Domino's because the Noid rules. Like, let alone that the Noid was portrayed as the enemy of Domino's pizza yes. in the commercial. It was just that cool mm. uh, because, like, I, it's, it's difficult to explain. And we sort of talked a bit about it in the recent Laser Times because Jim Henson made so many uh, made so many commercial characters. But I don't know. It'd be it would be like if you know, like Justin Roiland had, was also making timeless commercial characters next to having a popular show on the air. Mm. There were, like, the Noid looked like other popular things that were happening. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. Like, there was still a Claymation Christmas, those Siskel and Ebert dinosaurs were everywhere, the California Raisins, uh, Will Vinton Studios is still making movies. Like, it was just, it just seemed part of culture. And it was, it was massive. It was on t-shirts. And, and I, I have, I don't, I, I don't ever think about Domino's at all. And they're, their advertising is mostly like, we get it. Our pizza sucks. We're listening. <laughs> and then their pizza continues to suck. Yeah. Now, that was like five years ago when they redid their recipe. That's I think the Noid was their replacement. Up until the Noid, Domino's the whole ad campaign was 30 minutes or less or you get your pizza free. Mm-hmm. And then they discontinued that program. And they yeah, needed because a way, it was causing accidents. And, yeah, and they needed people to keep buying pizza. And so they're like, well, we got this catchy character. And then that took off. And then... Yeah, that, well, that the recipe was also better back then. Like Domino's Pizza definitely had a different recipe in the '80s than, or the '80s and early '90s than it does now. I don't, I don't know. I'm one of those people who thinks there's no such thing as bad pizza until yeah. I try Domino's. <laughs> it's bad. I think maybe you were bad. just a kid at the time, and kids don't have the most discerning palate. No, no, it's, it's like, on record. They've, they've, they've. Oh. On record, changed their recipe publicly a few times. They've said, oh, oh we've, it, it, the commercial Chris is speaking to, they, they're like, yeah, yeah, we know it's bad. We can do better. And that was one of their other official times changing the recipe. So. Mm, I see. Yeah. I see. It's fine. But yeah, it, we, because of that, we, we never got Kamen no Ninja Hanamaru, but we got Yonoid. And mm. that's sort of special. Sure. Like, that's, that's cool. Is that a I fair trade? I can't, yeah, I can't, I can't believe how much I've learned from this segment. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. Like, it's one of those things that like... I, I wish when I worked at Cap because I remember finding like a, a a copy of Yonoid in one of my drawers, 
and just keeping yeah. it in. I, I and, remember that copy. Yeah, and, and like I, I, there weren't a lot of people around from those days, but that that is something someone from Capcom USA probably has a story about. And I don't know, like yeah. just a world gone sour story about Grim. Yeah, didn't yeah. didn't they have oh him God. on the cover with that like giant weight pogo stick that he had in the commercials? The Pizza Crusher. Yeah. I'm looking at it right now. I, I don't think that ever shows up in the game. Like he, the, the game is just about throwing a yo-yo and eating pizza. No, I think it does eventually show. I rented this game almost every weekend. I mm. didn't see a problem with it. Yeah, game. there's, there's I, probably was, a level where you just ride around on it. Like it was bizarre to me to, to like discover the internet and, and its snark, and that everyone seemed to hate Yonoi. But I always thought it was a good game. It's just one of those things. It's it looks silly now because it's such a it's so of its time. I'm actually a little relieved to to learn that it wasn't conceived as a Yonoid game from scratch. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, there, there was an existing template it was projected onto. I am looking at a picture of the box art that has in the corner is a promo high, little call out little ribbon, one dollar coupon good towards your favorite pizza. Are you serious right now? Your favorite pizza? Uh, the Noid. Dominoes? I, well, it's the the resolution's not good enough to read it, but it's like the Noid something favorite pizza. The Noid's favorite pizza. Yeah, but the Noid hates Domino's. I, yeah, I think they maybe got the message wrong here. Mm-hmm. Could be. No, Could no, be. No. That's like that's like saying like rats hate garbage. <laughs> like the the Noid loves Domino's. He just messes it up. <laughs> yeah. Well, he the, he hates it because he can't mess it up. That's the whole message of that oh. campaign. That he messes right. up other pizzas. En route to to customers, but because Domino's has thirty minutes or less, that uh, it, it it's it arrives hot and fresh and doesn't get destroyed by the noise. And because Domino's created that little dollhouse fucking end table mm-hmm. for the middle of the pizza, exactly can't be crushed. <laughs> I do love this. Is I know we we have to move on because we're still on entry number five, yeah. but I think a lot of we might see this in more entries on this list. Is this was like an era when. Big companies like Capcom, who now you just come to know and expect for their giant franchises like the Devil May Cries and the Street Fighters of the world, mm. they would do games like Yonoid because they didn't hadn't established those franchises yet, you know? And so it was like, yeah, yep. we're still trying things. Like you would see – and it wasn't just them. Like other publishers too would release these like random – Licensed games, you're like, where where did this even come from? Okay, like it's yeah, it's kind of like relics of their time because of that. Now that only even, happens on even Street Fighter. They're kind of like, you know, they released Street Fighter One, and then they were like, well, let's let's try something else with it. And then there was Street Fighter '89, which mm-hmm. became Final Fight, and there's Street Fighter '2010, mm-hmm. which became nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I actually like that game. I, I uh, was going to say let's let's open that can of worms. Greg talking about Street Fighter '2010. You guys have, have, time. haven't felt that. It's awesome. Yeah. It, it's weird. It, just the last weird thing. I wish I would have asked more questions about that in my time with it because I'm the only one who cares. But the Gapcom also created an unreleased California Raisins game that's also based on a Will Vinton Capcom made that? Creation, yeah. Wow. Yeah, and so like, I wonder if they were working with the same advertising agency or something like that, or, or Will Vinton Studios that directly. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Part of a package <laughs> licensing deal. Anyway, we should move on to... Number four. Sounds like Konami. Well, I I will give no. you a hint. This game involves a boomerang in both of its incarnations. Power Blade. Power Blade. Yes. Wow. So huh. Power Blade. Was... Wow, this, that's the one. I we talked about this the other day. This is the one cover of Nintendo Power from the first eighty issues that I never played. Yeah. Same. Power Blade. <laughs> 
So this I was, really loved Power Blade back in the day. I don't remember much yeah, about it. So but, um, Power Blade was was a pretty good game. It's it's widely considered a classic by the people who played it. Uh, it wasn't, I think, that widely played. But this this was a, a Taito game that was kind of in the Mega Man mold. And if you look at the original game, Power Blazer, it was way more <laughs> in the Mega Man mold because that game had like a character that looked almost actionably like Mega Man. Like they 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 turned the the main character who's like in Power Blazer the original, he was this squat little dude looked like Mega Man named Steve Triber or Traber and he became this Arnold Schwarzenegger lookalike called Nova when he came to the US. But the resemblance to Mega Man is more than skin deep. It has a stage select the original Power Blazer has a kind of more Mega Man-esque level design and these, you know, squat little enemies that you fight. And there is also the music to consider. That's the level select music mm. right there. Which which then they, they changed the Mega Man to... It's it's as close as you can possibly get to Arnold Schwarzenegger without right. being legally actionable by Schwarzenegger. To the point where the, uh, the the artist actually did receive a letter from Schwarzenegger's lawyers, apparently, yeah. but got them to back off by proving that he had painted the cover, which looked an awful lot like Terminator. It's, it looks like the Terminator. He's got the similar glasses. But, like I said, yeah. it's, it's, it's like if you see an Arnold Schwarzenegger lookalike. Like, it's yes. like, oh, I could see if you squint your eyes how that could be but, Schwarzenegger. But he was able to prove that he he painted it using a photo of himself as reference. Really? So, oh. yes. Huh. <laughs> My next question is, who is your daddy and what does he do? <laughs> <laughs> but this is more than just a reskin. Unlike Yonoi, like, the game actually got a serious overhaul for the U.S. And apparently, I, I've, you know read things about it and obviously uh, accounts about it are kind of murky but uh, the Japanese side of Taito uh, was kind of dug in its heels a little bit and it's like wait you want to completely rework our game you don't want to just reskin it why and if you play them it's easy to see why like number one Power Blazer is really difficult. The enemies you fight are really tough, and you just have one attack, which is like throw out this boomerang that just will bounce off them immediately. And you can find like power ups that will give you more power on your boomerang or more distance or whatever. But then Power Blade completely redid all the levels, completely redid all the sprites to the point where they look more like something like Ninja Gaiden than Mega Man. There's a lot more one hit enemies. Probably the single biggest improvement is that you can throw your boomerang in any direction instead of just straight Holy ahead. Shit. That's something you say for the sequel. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> this it's almost a sequel. Uh, you, huh. you could say that it's it's more of like an improvement on the original or or a uh, 1.5 than, than just a, a straight across localization. And they also added uh, apparently like branching paths and they're less linear. There's things that you can look at out of the way like, okay, I'm going to go straight across this way or I'm going to go down to this area and explore and so I think that was really cool. Uh, Power Blade is generally remembered as the the better game to the point where when it came time to do the sequel, uh, Power Blade 2, they just did the same game in both territories hmm. that was more like Power Blade. Hmm. And in Japan, I think it was called Captain Saver. How Captain very un-Japanese company of them to, yeah. uh, to actually go with the better version if it came out of America. Normally they would, that version would be the forgotten version that no one would ever mm -hmm. get to see or play yeah. again. 
But I'm going to play a little snippet from the Japanese version, which has identical audio, but the music's still pretty cool. But yeah, again, very that Mega Man music. Simpler times, man. Yeah. Simpler times. Yeah, and I remember. So does he? Hmm? Sorry, he saves captains. Is that the idea? Yes, he's, he's the captain saver. <laughs> Sounds like a really cynical name from a Japanese executive. Yeah, if you're a lieutenant, oh, we're gonna go with the American guy who Captain Saver, whatever the fuck his name is. <laughs> yeah. Call it Captain Saver. I'm going to lunch. Oh man! And 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 if, I, what's really funny to me because I I. Congratulations, Michael. I've never heard of this. Really? Uh, before. No, and I was Googling it, and it's really weird, because like, it looks so much like Mega Man, uh, the j- original Japanese version of Power Blade, Plow- Power Blazer. Mm-hmm. He sort of looks like Mighty Number no. Nine's back with a sleeveless shirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In- <laughs> yeah. Well, he really does, like with his hair growing out the back. Uh-huh. Uh, it's Yeah, it, it looks a lot like Mega Man. Yeah, well, to the point where I remember, I remember seeing it in Nintendo Power when it was originally going to be like the original working title for the US was Power Mission, and that's what Nintendo Power advertised it, and it just had that sprite, that, that uh, close-up of the hero's face looking just like fucking Mega Man with a boomerang, and then mm-hmm. like Power Blade comes along, and me as a as a young idiot was like, "What's this? This doesn't look like Mega Man. I wanted the Mega Man game. Why they change it?" Mm. And then <laughs> if you play them both, you find out, "Oh, that's why they changed it because this other thing kind of sucks." Mm. <laughs> Plus, Ninja Gaiden so. had come along, and like, yeah, it looks like they are trying to go after more the Ninja Gaiden style because that, yeah, it's that, very much so, yeah. very popular, slightly game. more realistic, yeah, yeah. a little bit. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, definitely a more fun game if you want to track these down. Maybe play Power Blade first, or maybe play Power Blazer first, so you're pleasantly surprised by how good Power Blade is in comparison. <laughs> or it might come to Nintendo Online because, as we'll hear later in the news, they're bringing some games that I never would have thought they would have brought oh, to that damn. service. So. That's interesting. As long we'll as they there. do two a month, I'll believe it. <laughs> well, we we'd better hurry along so we can get to that. Number three. Oh, God. Me on the toilet. Yeah. That is this. <laughs> yes. Matt on the toilet. <laughs> completely different in Japan. He used well, yeah, the squat toilet, toilet in The Japan. toilet shoots yeah, yeah. you in the ass uh-huh. with water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, which, by the way, you, everyone should have in their toilet, goddamn. Yeah. I want to be fantastic. It's also $1,000 in the U.S. No, you can get like a ninety dollar attachment thing that looks ridiculous oh, that I'm always worried about shitting on uh, in my parents' house. I'll say this though: you shit every day, don't you? Yeah. That thousand dollars pays for itself. There you go. Fair it's like a, it, think of it like an iPhone, but it, uh, but it feels really good when you do. What's well, it. like a bed? You know, when you go into like a mattress, and the mattress salesman's like, "You spend a third of your life on this thing, and you should buy a good one. You should pay for quality." I don't. I don't know where you're. Sh- I shop for my mattress at Rooms to Go. Got it for two hundred dollars, oh. and they were way more like Gil from The Simpsons. Ah, cheese, free delivery to your house. Anything, we'll do it today. I think I was going for the "You're killing me, Larry" guy from that mattress store. <laughs> I'm the whiz. Well, <laughs> much much like a used bidet attachment, this game is kind of <laughs> shitty. But uh, <laughs> does anybody remember good. what it is? I forgot we were talking. So, <laughs> yes. this I, I could not make any sense of all those noises. This game could, uh, is for the Genesis. It stars Chuck D. Head. 
a mummy oh, who is headless. Capitac. Yes, Decapitac. Yeah. Which was a, a very kind of silly monster game. But if you dig into it a little bit, it has a lot more behind it. It is a Western translation or localization of a game that in Japan was called... Magical Hat Non-Butobi... Yeah, no Butobi Tabu Daiboken? Yeah, Turbo Daiboken, which is roughly (laughs) Magical Hat Adventure Turbo something. Greg, you are allowed to laugh at our pronunciation (laughs) of all of these Japanese words. It's it's funny because it sounded like it was taboo... Yes, it's a taboo game. You hit the buzzer when yeah. someone says the word they're not supposed to. I was thinking taboo, the sixth sense for NES. But uh, you, you compare the two, and like the Japanese version, which I think is based on an anime called Magical Hat, is is very bright oh. and colorful, and it, it looks sort of like a Turbo Graphics game maybe, but it's it's really cute. And Decap Attack, by comparison, is just like, it's it's like comes from the same school of design as Boogerman. The colors are much darker. Everything's... Like cartoonishly macabre and gross, and like there's green slime everywhere, and uh, but yeah, you you play as a mummy who can find like you you can attack by uh, shooting your face out of your midsection because he's got a face <laughs> on his tummy uh, that comes out with either a brain or intestine around it. It's hard to tell which. And yes, uh, it's a game based on a real Ghostbusters action figure. Basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and you can pick up uh, skulls, which will then sit on your shoulders, and you can throw them like boomerangs, or they'll just like fall on the ground. You have to pick them up, but th- that's your main weapon aside from the awful punch. Uh, and, and this is also part of a kind of game that I think saw a lot of representation on Genesis Mega Drive, which was the, the platformers that are non-linear and that you have to kind of hunt around in these big open stages... You can't just go make a beeline from start to finish. You have to, like, okay, what do I need to find here? Mm. Uh, find the MacGuffin. Exactly. But I, I think the, the Japanese version is very similar in terms of design. There's there's some differences in layout. But what I didn't know was that it's much more. Like, this goes much deeper yes. than these two games. There's two other games that there's influence There's two other games. games. Right? This, this game actually started on the NES with this game. Is that ringing any bells for anybody? That's Kid Cool, baby! Yeah, you've been looking. Yeah, Kid Cool and the, what was it, Seven Magical Wonder Herbs? (laughs) Yeah. Kid Cool and the Quest for the Seven Wonder Herbs. Fuck yeah, Colonel Sand. I bet I can guess at least one of those herbs. (laughs) (laughs) So this this is a game that kind of baited and switched kids, and it's like the... The kid on the front cover looked like a stereotypical, like, I'm Zach the Lego Maniac, wearing sunglasses and a <laughs> denim vest. And then right. uh, you you actually get into the game, and it's just like, who's this fat dork wearing overalls? <laughs> and, Spanky and, from our game. Yeah, and why is everything so bright and flat and colorful? This was actually, it was based on a Japanese game called Kakefukun no Jump Tengoku Speed Jigoku, which... Is uh, Kakefukun's Jump Heaven Speed Hell. Uh, (laughs) Wow, that's great. Or or Heavenly Jump Infernal Speed. I've also seen it. And and this is like, this is the most dense, impenetrable reference you could possibly imagine because the game in Japan 
Which the the only difference from Kid Cool is that the main character wears a little ball cap in, in the Japanese version. But this was uh, apparently based on a child actor named Kenji Sagara, who was popular on Japanese TV in the 80s, and mostly known for either looking like or doing an impression of a b- Japanese baseball player named Masayuki Kakefu. Holy Kakefu. shit. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, ha- what? <laughs> There's not much information on him or uh, Kakefu in, in English. And all of these games were inside the mind of an autistic boy who woke up from a coma <laughs> one day in St. Elsewhere. It's like, it's like Wishmaster, but a game. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, interestingly, Kid Cool was apparently uh, a platformer with a twist in that it was on a timer, and there was a day-night cycle, and you would get different endings depending on how long you took. If you took more than three hours, the king whose life you were trying to save with these seven herbs and spices uh, would die. But if you managed to do it quickly enough, you'd be handed the keys to the kingdom and his daughter's hand in marriage. As, as he passed the douchey in the ending screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and then uh, Kid Cool was followed up by a game called Psycho Fox, mm-hmm. which was for the Sega Master System. Weirdly enough, like all these games were developed in Japan by Vic Tokai. Yeah, bump and jump people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Psycho Fox had no Japanese release. It was purely made for, for territories outside of Japan. And it, it had similar gameplay to, to Kid Cool, but, you know, with some, some obvious updates, and it felt kind of like an improved sequel, and then we get Decap Attack, and did, did I play the sound from uh, Magical Hat? No, so, let's hear it. So, yeah, again, here is the Decap Attack music, briefly. <laughs> kind of spooky. Uh, here's Magical Hat. Not even the same ballpark. Mm-mm. Completely different. So you know how I know um, they don't know what they were doing in the fact that they only published it outside of Japan? Who follows up an NES game with a Master System game? You're going yeah, the wrong direction that's there, weird, dude. But yeah. it's, it's not like they're only spiritual successors. Like there is no connection between Kid Cool and Psycho Fox and Decap Attack and Magical Hat, except that they have basically identical gameplay. That in every game you can jump around on platforms you punch things and then you find like this little sidekick character that you use as a boomerang you throw him as a weapon and pick him up again in in power blade it <laughs> kind of yeah in kid cool i think it's this little red thing that rides on your backpack called wiki uh, that you can throw <laughs> and then psycho fox has it's like a bird character like a little blackbird chick called like i think a bird fly and then Decap Attack, obviously, it's the skull. And then I think in Magical Hat, it's an egg character that just rides on your back, like in a backpack. And, like, that's, it's so weird. And <laughs> that, like, that became Banjo-Kazooie. <laughs> this that, this uh, might be, like, next to something like Crazy Castle, the the, the series that went through the most pure permutations yeah, per territory. That or Wonder Boy. Mm, yeah, yeah. Very curious how they came, like how they arrived at these decisions about the overseas markets. Like, well, maybe a psychotic fox would yeah. be popular. <laughs> this maybe fox is fucking out there, man. Mummy <laughs> that can throw its own head. Yeah, that's, oh. a, that's such a '90s concept. And I'm trying. I was trying to find the article. I remember some uh, man who was the president's kids' school had an auction, and remember, like the kid, like the the, th- the third graders, want to be a 
Games Journalist for a Day Award, and I made those little shit stains review Decap Attack. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, it was, it whatever. You know, I was the one being cool with those kids. I can say that now. They're probably adults. Hmm. Did you uh, fire them at the end of the day if they were being games it, journalists? It, it it was just weird. <laughs> yes. By the way, I'm laying you off and uh, not paying you the final money. <laughs> uh, what I owe you, but but like, but oh. it was just odd that like for me, I saw the cap type. Like, yeah, that was the thing at the time. Like, it was baffling to these kids. Like, who would make a game like this? Like, have you ever seen Beetlejuice? And the kid said, "My favorite movie is Valkyrie with Tom Cruise." I'm like. No, it right. isn't. These are, these are different times. <laughs> these are different times. No, it isn't. That's what that kid thinks was a prestige movie, and he wanted to impress you. That, I know yeah. I did the same shit when I was that age. That kid was a plan. In third grade? Yes. Which, well, whatever Nazi movie's around, that's probably what I'm into. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Who knows? Um, but yeah, and, and like some, one, I think one of the YouTubers that I was watching earlier pointed out, like, the, the title screen for Decapitax is Decapitax starring Chuck D. Head. Like, mm-hmm. we don't know who this character is. You just made him up for this game. You can't say starring as if he's someone we'd recognize. I don't know. When you get a pun that good, you got to put it on the box. I, I guess right. so, yeah. And they were well, trying to be... Are they also tapping into the popularity of Chuck D.? Oh goodness! Could I be, think they were trying be. to beat Chuck Rock to market. Yeah, yeah. I got ah. I got more of a Chuck Rock vibe from him mm. than, uh, than Chuck D. <laughs> well, there was a Decapitax comic but was there yeah but maybe this can't have come after the comic it had to be the other way around probably yeah i'm sure yeah well i think it was a a loosely based strip in a sonic comic yes Mm, that sounds about right yeah Mm -hmm. all right well let's move along to (laughs) number two believe we're here already oh god damn it Oh, it took a twist. What's happening? I love it. This is a very Yamaha keytar demo. <laughs> kind of. Well, the the hint, uh, if you don't know this game, is in those first few bars. But... I do. Yes, right. I know what this is. This, right. this is the gimme entry. I beat this the other night. Did you? But not, not As this who? One. Nah. As which character? Uh, I always play the last level as <clears throat> Mario because uh-huh. I never use him throughout the rest of the game. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Just like they never used the well, uh, actually they did use the boss from that game in other games. Wart? Only like a Zelda game. Zelda. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. That's and, true. And, and the Upcoming pinball Zelda game is featured prominently. So this this is of what? course Super Mario Brothers two, which became or, or which was originally Doki Doki Panic or Yume Kojo Doki Doki Panic. Uh, Yume Kojo means uh, Dream Factory or Dream Machine, as it was translated in Japan. And I didn't, like, I had always heard vague things about the characters from Doki Doki Panic, that they were created by Fuji TV as part of, like, a a summer-long event that had something to, like, to promote shows or something. And so I decided to figure out, okay, what was actually going on that these characters were created to promote. And there is a wonderful, like, 16-minute long video by a channel called Gajillionaire on YouTube it's titled The Story of Yume Kojo, Not Super Mario Brothers 2. And the story of Yume Kojo is fascinating. 
because it wasn't just like a Fuji TV like programming event or something that happened on the channel. It was an actual event. It was like a World's Fair that happened. Huh? It, yeah, it's like a huge convention that happened simultaneously in Tokyo and Osaka. And it was like three and a half years in the making. It began when like Shotaro Ishinomori, the, the manga artist who created like Common Rider and all these tokusatsu shows, uh, took a vacation to Brazil with like two Fuji TV executives. Then they went to Carnival and they were so impressed by it that they came back and they said, we want to recreate Carnival in Japan. And we want to have this huge event that kind of promotes media and technology and really aim it at like youth and kids because they're the ones who are going to be the adults of the 21st century. They're the ones who will carry all this forward. So they recruited all these Imagineers and spent about three and a half years putting together all these exhibits that had, had things like, here's this giant room with like hundreds of TVs in the walls that are all showing this constant series of images that like all together, they, they change the images like millions of times. And uh, here's, here's like a planetarium disco. Sounds uh, like a world's fair. It's, it's like the it, old, it very much sounds like a world's fair. But, but I know what Michael's saying, because even I've written, written about Super Mario 2 or Doki Doki Panic is like, these were TV mascots. Like, mm -hmm. no, it was a little different than that. They yeah. were different than Izzy. And we talked about, I don't know, we talked about something similar in Laser Time recently about the, the Daikon uh, mm. OVA that pretty much made oh, yeah, the company yeah. Gynax. Mm hmm uh, but I don't know. Yeah, like because I because when I did that research, comic like hundreds of thousands of people go to Comic Con every year. It still doesn't hold a candle to how many people go to conventions in Japan to this day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, conventions there are no, like half a million people can show up to a convention. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean that that happens in lots of parts of Asia in general. Like there, uh, G Star is like probably the biggest gaming convention in the world and something we never talk about in the West. And it's, it's yeah. uh, Korea, I believe, but, as you saw. But this was, this was like a massive, massive marketing effort went into this as well. Mm. It wasn't just creating the event, but like there were male and female pop idol groups that were formed just to promote this. They created these characters. They were kind of like these Arabian Nights cartoon mm -hmm. characters. The main character was Imajin, who is this boy, his girlfriend Lena, and his mama and his papa, and then uh, younger twins Pokey and Peaky, who are the ones that get kidnapped in Doki Doki Panic by Wart, and then the other characters jump into the storybook to go and save them. But yeah, Imajin is imagine it's ah, it's just ah, a pun on that. Uh -huh, but uh -huh. the other thing that was interesting is like you remember Fanto. The, yes. the, the masks, the creepy masks yes. in Super Mario Brothers Fuck that would Fanto. animate and come after you. Fuck Fanto. So if you play Doki Doki Panic, you'll notice that there's a lot more masks and a lot more different kinds of masks. And like instead of the bird heads at the end of the levels, you walk through like what looks like a luchador mask that opens its mouth for you and you right. walk through. Go on, I'm listening. So these masks <laughs> were also a big part of the event in that you could buy them and wear them on site. They were like inspired by Italian styles like Commedia dell'arte. And so they, they were like, they were showing these off a lot. They were selling them. They were a big promotional tool. So of course the, the game had a lot of masks in it. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's just interesting. Let me translate from most of you. Comes from. When he says Commedia dell'arte, he, he means like the Assassin's Creed masks that you would see from sure. levels like that. Yeah. Right? <laughs> the Venetian street theater masks. Yeah. 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 But uh, and, and yeah, they promoted it starting about a year beforehand with this commercial, which had Imagine show up for the first time. 
Also, just imagine like two giant CG blobs that appear on screen and slowly merge together, which in 1986 would have been really impressive. Just saying, uh, Yume Kojo opens next year, next summer, next year. That's crazy. I can't even think of anything like that other than like Universal Studios. So, like, wait till next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's crazy. Try and keep this in your memory for 365 days. <laughs> Start thinking about it now. Well, it's something that that gajillionaire channel I mentioned said that, like, uh, because of the marketing push, uh, they did a poll and found that, like, roughly 45% of the population of Japan was aware that the event was happening. Mm. But Pretty good penetration, man. That's yeah, pretty man. Pretty good awareness. But, but also just, like, <laughs> hearing about it and how it developed, it, it, it almost sounds like it, it was like this gift that these these executives were trying to give to the children of Japan. Like, we, we want to inspire you into the future. And when you find that out, you find out that, like, one of the organizers died, uh, like, eight months after it closed. It's wow. Like, oh, it kind of gets you. All we right got there. our kids were global warming. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we were. We, <laughs> we, a crushing deficit. Yeah. <laughs> we should have just, as a generation, stepped out and gone to the store for some cigarettes and never come back. <laughs> It's not us. It's It's the boomers. Yeah, it's the boomers. Fuck you, mom and dad. (laughs) (laughs) No, this sounds this sounds awesome. So they base the game on. So the game is a commercial. The game game is yeah. It's it's part of the promotional campaign. It was the last step. You're making it it sound like it, it wasn't. There was nothing to really promote other than like spirit. Because there's nothing to sell at the end of the it day. It sounds a little bit like when like the Olympics have the mascots, yes. or like the uh, World Cup always has a mascot, and mm-hmm. so it's well, like. Well, remember, the, remember the way I always, I have always said it is like I, I can't believe Nintendo was such a small company back then that a convention could hire them to make a game. And the way Michael's saying it, like that's not really the case. It was something that was more like ideological. Or uh, philanthropic. It was, like, I wouldn't say. I don't know that I'd say it's philanthropic necessarily. Like they still they charged still admission, millions. but like this was a huge <laughs> festival that, that that took a long time. And and it's like it was Fuji TV, like one of Japan's biggest TV stations in an era of like massive economic boom. So they had a mm. lot of money to play around with. Yeah, dude, Takashi's Castle was on the air. That shit ruled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they they. Worked with Nintendo, and this was going to be like the last stage of the marketing push before the event happened. That uh, this game was going to come out. It was a Famicom Disk System game originally, and because Miyamoto designed it, probably it had a lot of overlap with the Super Mario Brothers series. Like it had the uh, the coins and the Starman that would give you invincibility. But um, I mean, if you listen to it now, it's like this doesn't sound quite right. <laughs> Fucking awful. Yeah. <laughs> the music's there, but none of the yeah. hot. <laughs> okay. Well, the, the, also, I, I will say that uh, the sounds were a little bit different in every oh, yeah. YouTube video playthrough that I watched of this. So I think that maybe emulators aren't quite up to snuff when it comes to emulating Famicom disk systems. So I'm excited. My buddy Adam has 
the original game on an original system, and we're going to try and portray that exactly as it oh, uh, nice. hopefully someday. Yeah. I cannot wait. So, so you, you've explained some of the changes, mm-hmm. but that's that's the thing. Like people don't talk about enough because when I when I the research I did do into this game, like. Like you're talking about with Power Blade, like it's almost unrecognizable what Mario Two ended up becoming. Mm-hmm. Like th- th- there are like more frames and animation in things. Um, even, even the things they left unadulterated, like, yeah, have additional frames of animation. Well, like Luigi's crazy. classic run in the air. That 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 character was originally the mom, and she just sort of like jumped really high, but mm. she didn't have that same right. But one thing, thing that didn't change, and no one has been able to explain to me ever. Birdo. How do you explain Birdo? To this, to Birdo this was in the original game. It, right, yeah, that's what I'm panic. saying. Did made it made it over kind of yeah. scot free. No no translation whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I, it, yeah. I tried I tried to do a thirty things that Mario that Doki Doki Panic ended up informing the Mario series on, and that's Birdo is one yeah. of them. Of uh, Shy Guys are yeah. one of them. Well, uh, that's, that's the other thing in that game. Mm-hmm. But remember I mentioned the masks? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like most of the characters most of the enemies right. in this game wear masks. Shy guys, sniffits, those weird little bouncy bird right. things. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean we all wear masks. It's a clear motif, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It's fascinating to look at it, and, and I swear, like, there's a ton of stuff you take for granted that went on to inform every other Mario game. Like, I think the the weirdest one was um, when if you play Mario Odyssey, that you would take rockets uh, to different higher levels, mm, yeah. and that is just from Mario Two slash Doki Doki Panic. Mm, absolutely, or jumping on um, whale spouts, which was like the coolest thing ever. Bob bombs, mm-hmm. Doki Doki yep. Panic. Yep. Um, it's 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 nuts, uh, and I, yeah, I tried to come up with thirty on the thirtieth anniversary, and I did, and I never made the video. But Damn, <laughs> it's, it's take too long. Uh, but uh, yeah, like I love this, I I love this weirdo little game, and I love more than anything the attempt to salvage this for a worldwide audience. Yeah, and and make it part of the Mario canon, which it still is seamlessly. Like sort of, yeah, the one that never really made it is radishes. How come the radishes didn't really move forward into any, any other Mario games or traditional Mario games? I, don't I guess. No, I mean people outside Japan barely know what a daikon is, and mm-hmm. doesn't make as much sense. Pulling up no. these huge white tubers and throwing them at people. Daikon Tana, Mario's mm-hmm. gonna make you his bitch. <laughs> it's just interesting now, like knowing how. Uh, protective Nintendo is in particular of their IPs to to look back on this time when they're like, sure, we can make that a Mario that's just for overseas overseas audience, yeah. and, then, and like just kind of like slap Mario onto something else. Then it comes back to Japan. And they call it Mario USA. <laughs> yeah, look at this easy shit these idiots had to play. <laughs> we couldn't handle lost levels. You don't call it that, I know. Um, but you know, everyone knows that side of the story. You're right. That, that was a, definitely a better way to tackle it. Like who, who the Doki Doki characters were. Yeah. Uh, and, and why it was something Nintendo probably needed to salvage. Cause if I had to guess, it's probably something like, Hey Miyamoto, could you help these guys out? That'd be great. And like, dude, you're spending way too much time. Holy shit. He just pulled off the R, R2 team. Uh, to work on this dumb game, <laughs> we have to do something to get to recoup this money. Let's recoup um, our investment. This, yeah, nobody's going to play this promo game in a year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's and, basically and again, an once again, game. it is greatly enhanced yeah. and fixed. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah. it's difficult to go play Doki Doki Panic. It's not the same game. It's an interesting curiosity, but uh, but yeah, it's like this. 
yeah, it's it's really cool that this that this happened and this got turned into something even greater than it was mm-hmm. that made sense outside of Japan. And like that that's so weird that an event of this size could happen even in '86. And like I had never heard of it. Mm-hmm. I never knew that this was a thing. I mean, why would you? Yeah, I don't know. It seemed like a big deal. And it created one of my favorite first gifts on the internet, which is a uh, Adam West Batman running away from a Phantos while holding a key. <laughs> <laughs> it really makes me laugh. Yeah, Shotaro Ishinomori, one of the co-creators of Yume Kojo, uh, you might remember he did the uh, Zelda manga that was in Nintendo Power in the nineties. Around the time I remember that- it because Link uh, went into a fire and he wasn't killed because he dumped a bucket of water on him Yes, first. I remember like, that too. And thinking, does oh that Lord, work? let's let's hope people don't repeat that trying to save their sister. <laughs> I feel like I've seen that in other in other anime. That that's a Japanese idea that this will work. <laughs> don't. This will buy me four yeah. extra milliseconds. Uh-huh. Don't ever do that, kids. It'll just evaporate. Yeah, I haven't seen water. I've seen I've seen wet towels. People on wet towels, but then then you're just creating. You, you're giving the fire fuel to burn. Like here, light this cotton thing on fire yeah, on exactly. my skin. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, unless anyone has anything else to say about Super Mario Two slash No, you didn't think we were gonna get through this list and not have Super Mario Two. Yeah, on here, that, that's the gimme, <laughs> but it's not the number one. What could it be? Dun, dun, dun. Find out right after this. Right after I play this sound. Uh... Barf! (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad this made the list. Fuck, I almost did a spit take. (laughs) (laughs) So, this this is one of the best games on NES. What is it? River Uh, River City City Ransom. Ransom. Yeah. It's one of the best games on NES, and it's, it's definitely one of the best box arts, and I think the best name yes mm-hmm. i love to it the, river city to Ransom. the point where is a cool name when yeah. this so so this game is based on the the kunio kun series uh it's it's actually the third game in the series and there have been about 16 or 17 kunio games it, since the 80s and about maybe six or seven of those have made it stateside river city ransom was originally downtown niketsu monogatari you do you know what that means craig Nick Kitsu means like hot blooded, ah, yeah. and Monogatari is like uh, tail tail of what's downtown. Um, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, but yeah, search me. It, River City Ransom, and they like this is a series about this this high school kid named Kunio who's just he's really fucking tough, and he's got a big chip <laughs> on his shoulder. But he helps his friends and uh, beats up gangs from other schools and. Uh, that's a little bit impenetrable for American audiences in the 80s, but it worked perfectly if you sort of recontextualize it in the 1950s when and, and you turn the main characters into a couple of uh, greaser dudes named Alex and Ryan. And, and it's all about, like, your girlfriend's been kidnapped by this dude from another school, so you need to go and fight a bunch of other students and pummel them until they say barf and money comes out of them. Gangs of students <laughs> name things like the generic dudes, <laughs> the frat guys, yeah, the, the jocks, turf. or the squids. <laughs> what maybe you don't know, even if you're a big River City Ransom fan, is that the original game was brought to the U.S. under quite a different title. So the original game known in Japan as Neketsu Koha Kunio-kun, hot-blooded tough guy Kunio, brought to the U.S. as this game. Good luck, kid. 
Uh, as Renegade. That must okay, be Renegade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And You're not kid. And Renegade was along with Double Dragon. Like this kind of ties into our subject from last week, and that uh, they're both heavily inspired by the Warriors. Like, let's put the... Which, by the way, I watched immediately after the show. Oh, I hope nice. everyone else... Or did. maybe, in this case, more Streets of Fire because of the greaser haircuts and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, that could be. That could be. We got a lot of well, heat there, for people. Like, not, it's know. one of those things that... Uh, I don't know if it started in the West, but, like, we associate it with the 50s, right? Yeah. But mm-hmm. Japan kind of has its own... It's, it's almost like it branched off when it hit Japan and continued to evolve into <laughs> its own set of Japanese greaser tropes that went on way longer, mm-hmm. like well into the 80s. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So you've got, like, Bebop High School is, I, I guess, one of the big reference points that everyone, uh, like, talks about in Japan. But I remember, like, friends of mine that I, like, drinking buddies, they would talk about how, like, when they were growing up, which was, like, 70s, uh, it, was, it was still, like, the Bebop High School thing. People had pompadours and got into, like, baseball bat fights. Jesus. <laughs> bat fight. <laughs> was that, so, like, I mean... I had that too growing up, but that was like the rockabilly crowd where they knew they were paying tribute to the 50s and stuff <laughs> like that. <laughs> Hold on, what? Yeah, Riverside had like a huge rockabilly – because there, there was a big punk scene. Riverside. There was a big punk uh, scene around Riverside, 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 Orange County. And so, yeah, Riverside Ransom. Um, and so like there was there was like a big rockabilly scene. And so there were like greasers who would like come to my school. His, particularly like there was like Hispanic gangster – greaser guys it was crazy it was like and they all wow. listened to morrissey they fucking love morrissey all yeah. day every day huh. with the morrissey but they had the huge pompadour hairdos and it was just like yeah it wasn't strange to me at all it was just like oh they know they're paying homage to like the 50s like it's mm. they don't they're not yeah. like trapped in the 50s they're like no no i'm dressing up like that what do you no, think no, it was more i've like owned that? a homies before i, I I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> you, that is still like if you watch like old 80s like horror movies there is a lot of that there's like the 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 greaser bully trope mm-hmm. just watch the christine the stephen king yes. adaptation it's, it's a bunch of greasers with the son oh, from kevin. back to school that's the only thing i really yeah. know about christine kevin dylan in the blob he's a greaser yeah the series has been like it's it's been all over the place it's gotten a bunch of different like i feel like every iteration that has come to the u.s has kind of spawned its own thing like, so the first game was Renegade, which got its own sequel called Target Renegade, which was developed completely and independently of the original developers. Then the second game was uh, Niketsu Koku Dodgeball Boo, uh, which Super Dodgeball. which One of the best games ever. Yeah. Best sports game on the mm-hmm. NES. And, and also was kind of removed from the Kunio license in the U.S., but you could tell that the character designs were the same. Oh, yeah. Then River City Ransom came over, um, which got its own sequel, uh, River City Underground. And River City has kind of become the mark of the Kunio games in the U.S., even though they've they've gone back to, like, the original Japanese characters and setups. Like, there, there was a 3DS Kunio game that came over as River City Tokyo Rumble. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Um, there's, there's another one that's about to come out, River City Girls, which looks really cool. Uh, I, I don't know if it's any of the original developers, but uh, I'm excited for it. But af- after River City Ransom came Nintendo World Cup, and then Crash in the Boys Street Challenge. Remember that? No. That, no, that, no. that name got put into Scott Pilgrim as Crash in the Boys, the rival band. Right. It was like a street track and field thing, where you're like, playing as the tough kids trying to show up the rich kids. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then, then obviously, um, River City Ransom EX came out for GBA. And uh, then Tokyo Rumble. And interesting story about River City Ransom EX is that there's a site called The Lost Levels that did an essay on, I guess, like some independent developers in the late 90s, early 2000s managed to acquire the River City license and were working on like their, their own River City 2, River, River City Ransom 2 sequel that was going to be on Game Boy Advance, apparently. And they'd been working on it for like a year or two. And then all of a sudden, River City Ransom EX comes out. And it's like, well, nobody even checked to see who held the title. So... We, we could probably take legal action over this, but that wouldn't win us any fans. Like, people want this game. They don't want us to stop it from coming to market so we can make our own game. So, like, they just kind of backed off. And uh, and then there was a ri- eventually River City Underground, which was licensed but continued the same plot line with the same characters from River City Ransom and didn't, wasn't a Kunio game. This, this is amazing. <laughs> I, 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 I knew something of this, but, like, Jesus Christ, that's yeah. so strange. But, but like, what we've gotten is only, like, a fraction of the Cuneo games. There's, like, ten or so games that we never got. I like, I like thinking here. of these, like, dimensions that yeah. <laughs> this River City series <laughs> ended up spawning out there. Especially yeah. the, the poor, unfinished... Well, it does kind of show, like, how, how you can end up with, like, a web of, like, IP issues because of these... Uh, decisions they made in like the mid '80s that had a ripple effect. It's like, yeah, you know, it's like the, the Mega Man naming thing. They decided to call him Mega Man instead of Rock Man. So when they did Mega Man Legends, and he was just a boy named Rock, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> like that was supposed to be his first name. They they had to make it so that Mega Man, one word with two capital M's, was his first name. <laughs> uh, and it just got really awkward and weird. But only because uh, like, they couldn't call him Kid Rock. That'd be yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> God, thank God. <laughs> but yeah, so it's like you had you had uh, this River City Ransom thing, and then you had a bunch of other things. Talk about segmenting the community. Well, yeah. <laughs> oh, hey! <laughs> if we'd only known that this dodgeball game and River City Ransom. Were <laughs> that's the same that's weird to me. To me, it's just like, oh yeah, they look like that dodgeball game. I was game in that they were. Mm-hmm. I, it, But like, I love one that Mega Man is so good. We never stop for a second and think about how stupid his name is. Never, never, ever. Never. No one ever never, talks never, about never. it. Oh, I think about <laughs> it a lot. <laughs> and, and, um, and and that River City Ransom, I'm going to guess nobody really thought that was going to take hold. And granted, I remember people saying, this game's really good. And I was like, eh, I can't really understand what's happening here. But when I discovered it, like, in my teens, which we would have been nearing the PlayStation era at that point, like, holy shit, this is ahead of its time. This is really good. Oh, super is, ahead of its time. It was like it was basically an open world game mm-hmm. on the NES, mm-hmm. non-linear. Uh, it, I, I remember. I think I managed to finish it really quickly and found out later, like, oh, I skipped a bunch of stuff that <laughs> that I would later mm-hmm. rediscover playing it as an adult. But um, but yeah, also interesting that the plot lines were a bit different in going back to the original game, which came over as Renegade. Renegade was like you're trying to save your kidnapped girlfriend from a bunch of thugs on the street. And Lorenzo like, so, Lamas is a man on a mission. Yeah, well, you looked a bit like Lorenzo Lamas, honestly. Like, you're just wearing a vest and no shirt. Uh, the The first stage of the American version was a subway. The Japanese stage was like a Japanese train station, uh, all above ground. And it's interesting, like, you watch them side by side and you realize, like, oh, this is, like, very much a palette swap. Like, there's a character 
who appears in like the 3DS Kunio game as recruitable. She's like this really tall, round-headed girl who wears like an ankle-length skirt and is like super tough. But she appears as a boss in in uh, the original Kunio game in Renegade, and like in the U.S. version, it's like her sprite has like the same face, but she's instead of a school uniform, she's wearing like a tank top and jeans and like cowboy boots. She looks like a, a big female bouncer or something. The the Japanese version also had an additional plotline in that you're not trying to save anybody. It's just that your friend, like, gangs keep rolling up to the front gate of your school and beating the shit out of your best friend every day. So you have to go uh, get revenge. Kicking the shit out of your friend. Go chase him. You got that great fifties music. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <laughs> much much like Batman, Cunio's just perpetuating a circle of violence mm-hmm. right there. Exactly. If he that's... stopped getting revenge, would the gang stop yeah. attacking his friend? We'll never know. Yeah. Well, that's that's what he does, and then he he goes all the way like a high school student goes into the meet, the rough parts of town and starts beating up yakuza. Uh, <laughs> so, that's believable. <laughs> But uh, what happened? I think there to can this... be sort of a pipeline from like Bebop High School style thug to mm. fledgling yakuza. Yeah, yeah. There's that. <clears throat> you ever heard of a movie, uh, Blue Spring? It's a Japanese movie where uh, it's about the it's about this exact thing, like these feuding uh, high school gangs, and one of them gets uh, like headhunted by the mob. Oh wow! Yeah. What happened to the producer or the director of, the, of this game in high school? That they just they just stayed there and based, roughed up a lot, based an entire series yeah. and never but, left. But this also inspired a, an indie game that you can find on Steam called Friends of Ringo Ishikawa, which is yeah, it's done in a very similar style, but it's it's more of like a school sim, and you're playing as a delinquent uh, who's who's basically his plans are like, well, I'm gonna eventually fail out of high school and then I'll just join the yakuza, I guess. <laughs> But it's it's a lot of like the same. Uh, you go beat people up, but you also have to like, how's he doing in school? Do you actually want him to do well in school? Because he can if you want him to. Uh, yeah, that's that's kind of cool. But there's also Kinkabancho, which ah, yes. uh, turned into a series in Japan. I think we got like one of them on the PSP or something. But uh, it was 3D and it had like a little bit of GTA injected into yeah. it. But it was it was very much. Uh, Is that Kinkabuncho like a, a 3D take? Badass Rumble, I think. Yeah, and they, you know, they were very big on these, on, on not just like in, including a lot of tropes uh, of that. I guess you'd call it a subgenre, but educating you about them. I remember there were load screens where they would teach you uh, this specific like subset of thugs uh, slang, mm. like their street slang. Oh, wow. And uh, you had like the gaze. Remember, you, you could like you had like the eye beams. Oh. You, like oh. initiated oh. a fight. gaze with a Z E. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, like a gay gang. What? <laughs> yeah. Okay, My bad. It's a Japanese game. All right, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you had the eye beams, and you would you would initiate a fight by blasting each other. What a Boston quiz. No one messes with us. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> We wanted to name ourselves after it. something terrifying to middle America. But that's been our, our top five. Uh, this was a lot of fun to, to research. So thank you, Matt, for suggesting this topic. Thank you, Greg, for being our Japan expert. Glad to be here. <laughs> Glad to have you. 
All right, but on that note, we're going to take a little break, and when we get back, we'll talk about some new releases, some news, some other stuff, so stay tuned. Woo! Get scratching. Is the world of today getting you down? Well, then why not check in on some of the good stuff that happened this week in movies, TV, games, and more 30, 20, and 10 years ago this very week with our show 30 2010. Here's a clip from 1999. American Pie was a phenomenon with uh, was crazy. five, five, four sequels and three straight to video sequels. Yeah. But American Pie is all about guys trying to get laid, especially through the eyes of Jim, Jason Biggs, who I think is actually pretty fun. I like that. I, I've always liked Jason Biggs, and I'm try- I can't even remember what the pie scene is because oh, he fucks it. No, no, yes, <laughs> I recall. But uh, I his penis. <laughs> but I saw both move the the first two movies in theaters, and the MPAA always has a cut to suggest. So the DVD has if you watched. You watched it more on DVD. You have a different fucking scene. So, what do you remember him doing with the pie? Honestly, I don't remember. Like, I've kind of blocked. Did that his dad out. come in and he has the pie plate over I his think crotch? So, yeah. So, in the right. unrated, unrated DVD, he's on the counter fucking it, oh. and- <laughs> missionary style. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Can you do doggy with a pie? <laughs> I mean, not if you're the giver. <laughs> uh, bend it over the fireplace. And like- <laughs> but you could do reverse cowgirl. Uh, <laughs> How do you reverse it? It's round. Well, the pie plate's away from you. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, the, the pie plate is its underwear. I <laughs> <laughs> think it's all but. <laughs> Jump into the past with 302010 every Thursday on lasertimepodcast.com or iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Five, four, and welcome back to our final segment of the show where we will waste no time at all inching our fingers slowly toward the button that he, plays this sound. He writes this every It's what we call a running gag. Chris. He writes <laughs> things to waste time about not wasting time, and I'm doing it. Exactly. I want to know what that. What's the story behind the new releases song? Did you guys get together and record that? No, <laughs> no we Sounds... just. It was one of those just spontaneous things that we we started singing. Like Chris started singing, and I started singing along, and I tried to go. I was, where I was I pumping my arm go. like an old sailor, and so yeah. everybody was on the beat. And then and... somebody, I think it was David B. Cooper, sent mm. it to music, and we've just been using it ever <laughs> since. It is kind of like a lifeless sea shanty. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good way to put it. Uh, uh Uh, Oh, man. Because it's weird. Michael and I both hit the, these are the new releases they are releasing newly. We both say something different at the Mm -hmm. end. I say everyone cherish them. I think I was just repeating the, uh, they are releasing newly. (laughs) Yeah. But yes. It comes together great. I'm sure you. Maybe we should do a professional uh, like recording session. Nope. Oh, I want I want to hold one can to my head Get and close <laughs> my eyes and sing really heartfelt. <laughs> you should do like a ultra produced version, like right. when the Wayne's World yeah. 
song exactly. gets redone. Yeah. yeah. Should hire the surviving <laughs> members of Menudo. Just they Michael. are releasing newly, ladies and gentlemen, Linda Ronstadt. <laughs> <laughs> just Michael complaining yeah, about needing more dances. snare. I need more snare in my headphones. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, a bunch of stuff has come out. Yeah. Uh, some of it kind of blindsided me. You pointed out we have two FMV games releasing yeah. in the space of a week. Well, one of these uh, blindsided everybody because it was a big surprise announcement at Gamescom, which is going mm-hmm. on this week. So, Erica, uh, which is a game that I apparently was announced in 2017. Don't remember seeing it or hearing about it. But that that was the surprise. It was during Keeley's thing. What did, what did they call it? Like uh, uh, opening, opening Night, Night Live? Live? Yeah, yeah. That name needs a little work, Jeff. Call me. Um, but yeah, they, they said Erica is available now on PS4. It's it's only $10. I haven't had a chance to dive in, um, but it is an interactive drama. So, okay, cool. It, it looks like a f- an FMV Telltale game. A little bit, yeah. Which, yeah. now that I think about it, I'm kind of surprised they never did themselves. The one that... Is, looks more compelling to me as FMV games go is telling lies. Ah, yes, the the Indian CG short that everyone's so taken with. No, no, telling lies. Uh, no, Papa. Uh, no, this is the from the people who did her story, which was on sale for like two dollars earlier this week. So if it's still on sale, definitely go buy it. That that game is it's it's like a Google game where you go, you, you try to solve a mystery by looking at these videos. It's great, but telling lies looks like they took a similar premise and just gave them a bigger production budget. No doubt with the her story money, and it looks looks really cool. And uh, so far, the reviews I've seen are actually really good uh, for the game. But that 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 doesn't come out until the twenty third, so we will not be able mm. to play that yet and tell you about it. So maybe next week. Um, but yeah, two FMV games. What have we done to deserve this? Our cup runneth Final. over with mm. the FMVs. Please bring out a collection of Sega CD, Marky Mark, and the fun, Funky Bunch of video yes. editor games. Mm-hmm. It's, it's time. Bring back be Chris Cross. Yes. I want to know <laughs> once and for all which one is the Mac Daddy and which one's the Daddy yes. Mac. And what exactly will the Mac Dad make me do? Mm. Jump, jump, jump. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, it's just jump. I believe he's dead. Don't oh, he is. Shit. Oh. He is. He's up there with a uh, Vanilli of Millie fame. What about in excess? They had one too. <laughs> I don't know. Why'd you yell that like Seinfeld? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody talks about an excess. <laughs> He's not the whole band. The band's alive. It was just the lead singer. <laughs> don't change is a great song. His name's Michael Hutchins. He has a name. Remember his name, damn it. I won't. <laughs> he, di- he died like David Carradine lived and died. <laughs> All right, Matt, you, you've been very excited. Uh, your company. Your employer yes. just released a game. Yes, we have, well, and yes, you, a you game. helped make uh, full disclosure. Yeah, yeah yes, I, I helped. I mean, I was the marketing guy on the game, but uh, I, I gave some input and feedback during the course of development. So yeah, I would like to say I helped, but it's actually it's you made by the whole thing from start. All to me. I yep. did this by myself. No one else can take credit. Uh, <laughs> Micah, if you're listening. Thank you. Um, no, this this it's a it's developed by Gunfire Games, the studio who did Darksiders three, and mm. the game is called Remnant from the Ashes. Um, it is a uh, it, it's a third person shooter, uh, yeah. single player or co op. Um, people seem to be really enjoying the co op, and it's 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 a difficult game. We'll say that mm-hmm. uh, some might even compare it and call it like a Souls like game. Well, and that okay. might also have to do with the. Uh campfire-like crystals that you have Those are called around. world stones, Michael. World stones, all yes, right, yes. yes. But, yeah, and it, but, but resting at one does regenerate all the enemies in the air. Right. Well, that's so that is one of the big differences, other than the fact that it's, it's souls-like with guns, hello, mm-hmm. uh, is 
in a Souls-like, yes, your enemies regenerate, but they generate regenerate in the same spot they were. The levels don't change at all. This game, when you begin your campaign, it rolls the campaign. And so every time you rest at a fire, it dynamically respawns the enemies, all, all new enemies, all new locations. And so the campaign you're playing through right now, Michael, is most likely completely different than the one I'm playing through in terms of the tile sets, like how the levels are arranged, mm-hmm. in terms of which enemies and bosses we will encounter, um, and in terms of which like kind of special... There's usually like these, these tiles that have like special events or missions that... So you might stumble... You might have like a tree you encounter in the world that all of a sudden talks to you and can grant you an item if you go on a quest and do a certain thing. I might stumble upon like an old man vendor out in the world who's selling something or there, there are definitely like key things that happen in everyone's campaign because of course you, you do have to sort of have a framework and an outline for the story. But, uh, yeah, so that, that's one of the things that makes it cool is every time you play through the campaign, uh, because in games like Souls, as we all know, like, you, you tend to play through the campaign more than once and you, you know as you keep leveling up and getting more and more powerful weapons you try to challenge yourself so yeah this this game has that but every time you reroll your campaign it's an all-new campaign which is kind of cool hmm. um, I, t- I did not know that till I read about it yep. and I already loved it <laughs> um, in the co-op what's great is like I can go into your co-op and everything in there that we get I also get and can bring back to my world and so nice. if you have a boss that I don't have in my campaign if I beat that yeah. boss and get that that boss's special item to craft uh the weapons have this cool thing called mods where you can kind of it's like socketing a power basically yeah. and and you have to craft them and so some of them might be like a healing an area of effect healing power or one you know one might let you teleport around and stuff so if i get that item in your in your game in a session of co-op i can bring it back and use it in my campaign moving forward which is super cool um yeah and again full disclosure i I worked on this game and so i you know me calling it super cool take that for what it's worth but i i really like it um if you listen to me because i didn't work on the game and i fucking loved it you love it it's it's yeah, hard as it's shit, though, you, right? Like, let's let's be quite honest with people. Like, I think Michael, you were telling me like the first dungeon you go in, you're like, "Holy shit!" There's this guy. Well, yeah, like there's this asshole who keeps spawning, and like he has these twin swords, and he just sort of floats around silently. Yeah, and then he's he's just there behind me, and he's slashing and doing massive damage, and you have to kind of roll out of the way, attack when he like right after he uh, attacks. No, yes. and I no, only you, no, no. You need to get him to walk around floor objects. Yes, that yes. was going to be the next yeah. thing I said yeah. that I managed to beat him because I uh, I did that thing where you run around uh, like this this giant tank that's just like sitting in the middle of one of the rooms yeah. and he, he followed me around but I kept myself on the opposite side at all times and because this thing had little gaps in it I kept shooting him with my pistol through the gaps and uh, eventually just whittled him down to the point where I like okay now a bunch of those weird little Sharktacon ball guys are jumping out <laughs> and attacking and so I have to go after them and now he's swarming at me and I just hit him once with my sword and like oh he's down sweet yeah. Yeah, the it. And that, that's that's why I would like to play co-op at some point mm. because uh, I did get to a boss and like I didn't know that I'm like man this boss, the guy you're talking about like was one of the hardest things I encountered in the game and yeah. one of the reasons I love it is because now I can slice through him like butter doesn't yeah. fucking matter and he's not a threat the, to me anymore. So even the bosses in the game, there's two types of bosses. There's like a regular boss and then what we call like world bosses, which are like really. 
they, they close out the level. They're the big bads. But the regular right. bosses, they even have dy- – the dynamic generation works. They all have unique powers that rolls every time you fight them. It's different, right? And so your boss might have a power called Hardy where he just has more health. One guy might have a power where he just does his he, – he attacks more often and stuff. Or one guy might spawn more ads. And so even that – like <laughs> Yeah. And, and So my guy spawns exploding enemies, which yes. is like this, mm. this cannot be tackled alone. Yes. This yeah. is yeah. impossible. Yeah. So – the co-op does help. Uh, it's definitely one of those games where if you are having trouble with the boss, just like in a Souls game, bring in help, and that mm-hmm. that will usually get you through the situation. Um, yeah, don't 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 try to go it alone. Although I I actually prefer to play it alone. Uh, I like it a lot yeah, that I, way. I, I could I, I was I didn't have a problem playing alone up until like that boss and, and learning like what's up with this? How do I do this? And like oh, it's ran. That's when I learned it's random every time, mm-hmm. and I think I just like pull the shit into the stick because like having four exploding things chase me every four minutes every four seconds yeah with a giant boss running around like fuck me this is hard yeah uh but it's supposed to be hard and i appreciate that and i'm still having fun with it but just like i I was just sort of enamored because you didn't really tell me what it was this is to me this is like everything i like about souls and destiny with all the fucking bullshit cut out yes like yeah like Uh, uh, all the loot matters and there's less of it um and all the all the shit is hard but like the randomly popping out enemies like that doesn't happen like at all like mm. the hidden enemy shit yeah. uh when you die you respawn so instantly yeah it is wonderful yeah. and you don't lose your shit when you die like in a souls game yes. like True. yeah 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 oh really yeah, and it's it, it's, yeah, it's in, i'm not i'm not saying i don't like that about dark souls i just like i appreciate that about dark souls and i don't necessarily mm. want that in every game this streamlines what I really do like about Dark Souls, which is tearing apart hard shit and challenging myself. The other thing where is it is definitely inspired by Dark Souls um, is the lore of the game in in that the way the story is revealed to you, it's a bit more explicit. Like there are definitely NPCs who will talk to you and explain things along yeah. the way. But you you are expected to fill in the gaps by finding items in the world and and reading kind of lore documents and stuff like that. And that's one of the things a lot of people have been really responding to well is it's like it's a post-apocalyptic game, but it's not it's not what you expect. Like, you know, kind of at this point, you're like, oh, yeah, like in Fallout, like nukes have fallen. It's like, no, 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 no. This is a totally different type no, of post-apocalyptic. Tree monsters. Tree monsters, tree monsters are tree everywhere. Monsters. Trees are it's it's like the happening, but uh... tree monsters from alternate <laughs> dimensions and stuff. So yeah, there's 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 a lot to this, a lot more to the story than you would expect. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Chris, one of the things you're touching on, um, I've also heard a lot of people say is, it, and the way they frame it, and it's not a bad thing. I, I actually agree with them. Is some of the game design feels a little bit more old school in that regard. It's less mm-hmm. like you know some of these games where there's like such you got to put up with a lot of kind of modern day kind of BS, you know, life service game stuff. It's like no, this game is. Is like right. it feels like a game from a few years ago. Uh, the other thing we haven't said yet that I think is a really attractive thing: it's only forty dollars. It's not a sixty dollars mm. yep. game. Hmm. Yeah, and it's you know, it's wearing its inspiration on its sleeve. It's clearly inspired by a bunch of modern modern games, but like in really good ways. Mm-hmm. And 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 just I, I remember I was terrified that first hours. Like I'm the captain. I don't know how I became the commander here. I guess like oh no, I don't want to hear. 
I don't want. I I heard Soulsborn from Matt. I don't want to hear a fucking story. <laughs> and you just get through that very fast. Yeah. And then you never you never see a cutscene yeah. again. <laughs> Almost never see a cutscene again. Um, I, I don't want to spoil too much with the story, but uh, like some of the reviews that I read, like talk about it, like it's steampunk or Victorians. Like I don't think that's true at all. It's like not. the the opening cutscene kind of seems like fantasy because you've got a sword and it talks about a dragon and stuff. Well, you need to, it gets a little crazier yeah. as you but, go. But then, like, early on, you find out, it's like, oh, okay, there's, like, computer terminals from the 60s in here. It's, it's the 60s. It's, it's basically the world ended in the 1960s. So, uh, okay. and that's, that's not a spoiler, because in the first level, it's the Earth, you see, like, movie theaters with, like, 50s and 60s styling, and cut the cars are all 50s and 60s mm. cars. I was a teenage werewolf playing now. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so, so yes, it's, it's the world has, has ended in the 60s, and, um, yeah, it's it's just really cool in that it is uh, it's just a unique spin on post apocalyptic, which I found super refreshing. But then you only really see the Earth that first level because part of the game you you travel through these world stones into these alternate dimensions, which each has like their own. Like the second level is basically a desert world, you know, and there's another world that's kind of like a tree world, um, and so it. Yeah, like, and there's stuff in there. I've been working on this game for multiple years, and there's stuff in the final levels that is just like blew me away when I saw it. Because you know, when you work on a game like that, you may not, you may not play through the whole thing uh, until right before it launches. And I'm like, holy shit! I can't believe that got in there. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, man, it's 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 really fun. It's really fun in co-op. Um, it is available on PC uh, on either Steam or Arc Games, um, and then Xbox One and PlayStation Four. It's available now for forty dollars. Go, go buy it again. Uh, I'm a shill, but I I I really like it. I wouldn't. I'm not. I wouldn't I'm not fucking around. Like I love it. I hate bullshit cutscenes, dumb loot drops, <laughs> and. I don't know, like it's just raw like gameplay. Even when I die and like I'm pissed, I'm back into the mix immediately in a in a faster Souls game. One thing I gotta give the developers credit for is so gun it's right there in their name, Gunfire Games, but they um the shooting feels really good and that's tough to do mm. in a third person shooter. Yeah. Um I mean there's even times I've I've told you, Michael, like on the division where I like I feel just disconnected from the shooting. Like it's not as visceral to me sometimes. Whereas this one, the shooting feels really good and i'm like hey they nailed that that's tough to nail uh unless you do shooters a lot and they they nailed it so uh yeah, yeah. props to them on but that you do want to minimize your shooting god damn it um also oh, yeah, i noticed th- i might be wrong but does this have uh the voice actor uh of lee from the walking dead yes in it? if it's if not if that's not dave Fenoy, it's it's a guy who sounds a lot like him mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i think you're talking about um, is presented by hulu he's one of the vendors in in ward 13 yeah yeah, right? yeah. but yeah. It, and that's like, why that's why every time i'm having character. a tough time i go back to a vendor and i've just played so much destiny i'm like i don't want to go all the way back to the fucking vendor and then i go i'm like oh yeah i can buy a bunch of meaningful shit <laughs> like, I, destiny has gotten me so used to like this don't go you'll never be able to buy anything or upgrade your shit significantly like oh every time i would say time. i'd say the vendors and chris i mean i don't know maybe i'm way off base they feel more like monster hunter vendors and that when you go back you're usually using the stuff you've gotten in the world to improve or craft an all-new weapon and that feels yep. that feels pretty good Yep, and it just it doesn't it doesn't get so much gradually harder like in the Souls game where like you'd have to grind for an hour on something and lose. Uh, Oh, no fat rolls and no like uh, none of that min maxing horseshit to consider. Not that I don't think it's okay in Dark Souls. I just I will not do that with every game. So do not put it in every fucking. (laughs) Uh, And 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 just I I love that. I I did love that. Like because I always felt fast. Um, and and I chose the hunter type. 
Yeah, I, that's yeah, the one same. I go with. I love the hunter. So if we co-opt, we'd all be playing hunters. But well, here's the thing: is uh, is that is it's not a it's not a class. We call them archetypes for a reason. It is so like in Souls games, they're they're more just that dictates your starting stats. But you can mm-hmm. you can equip any weapon and wear any piece of armor in the game. So the classes. All the, all the classes do is here's your starting gear, here's your starting mod, here's your starting stats, and then okay. from there you can do whatever you need to. And, and yeah, every, like I, I like be, again because the games like Destiny, I'm like I don't want to go back to the fucking moon for no reason mm-hmm. just to look for shit that that's not there. And like I had to retrain myself with this game because like if I'm having trouble, like just go back to the vendor, you can upgrade everything. Yeah, that's uh, that's what to do. If you ever get stuck, just enough. go upgrade your weapons and retry that fight, and mm-hmm. uh, it'll it'll help you get past that stuff for and sure. It's, it's always it's always pleasantly difficult, but like. I don't know. I, I had a great time with it. I, I have no finer way to say it than like, I love nothing more than raw, uncut gameplay. And it's not interrupted by anything in Remnant. Mm-hmm. It's it's just, all you're doing is playing this tight fucking game all the time. And even, even like, I even let myself fail just to like keep slashing and shooting shit. Um, just to get better at these enemies, especially like the one Michael was talking about, because mm-hmm. he was up until I saw a boss. That dude was giving me the most trouble. Yeah, that guy's an asshole, and it's it, you. You got to figure out the trick with a lot of these enemies too, and and yeah. so that's the other thing is like if you are having trouble or, le- or learn what levels, sections of the levels to lead them to. It's so it's yeah. so cool. If you, if you are having trouble, uh, go to like you know Fextra Life has a wiki up for the game because of course it does because it's you know like the Souls like thing. That's what they do, and and they they have some tips that'll help you get past certain things as well. Will so. that will that help? Like because the levels structure themselves isn't random no but i mean they have they have more tips on like you know stuff that might work against certain bosses in terms of weapons okay but but you you can randomly design a level for yourself so um when you first start your campaign it rolls it in and it's it locks it in at that point but there there is a menu option in there you'll notice uh that you can say i want to re-roll my campaign and what that does so unless you really want to start – so you have to start the campaign from the beginning, but your character is locked in. So everything you've gained, all your traits and all that – oh, that's the other cool thing we should mention is like this game has like a quasi-skill tree. But the way you unlock new skills is you have to explore and discover stuff in the world. So like that you come across certain quests and all of a sudden it will unlock a new trait that's tied to that quest or like the first time you co-op it unlocks a trait that you can then invest points in that buffs you like when you're in co-op with people and so you have to slowly kind of discover the traits as well by exploring right. I've, in the I've game three out of like six or something there's way more than six Maybe there's, there's more a whole, yeah like yeah. it's it's yeah i have i'm only scratched the surface yeah and then the mods are super fun to use too. The way I love the mod mechanic, it's a little bit like Destiny, where it's like as you land hits with your guns, it will build up this mod meter, and then you you you'll be able to activate it. But you you do have to land hits and kill things before it will activate. It's not you know it doesn't just automatically regenerate and then magically do it. And so right, but it's it's like having multiple alts, and mm-hmm. it's fucking awesome. Yeah, but I, I I was surprised by how much I really 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 liked it, and um. Yeah, encourage other people to check it out, especially at forty bucks. Holy yeah, shit! Yeah. yeah, thank you. Uh, but more, more came yeah, out. Michael, you played uh, the new Double Fine game, Rad. I did. Is it it's, Rad? It's well. It, How was that? That looked. I was just about to buy that on Switch, and then I I saw some little bit of negativity. Did, did you in. like? Do you think the eighties were rad? Do you think <laughs> Garbage Pail Kids were rad? Hell yeah! Obviously, because <laughs> that's that's kind of <laughs> what the 
the main characters look like to me. They're like these squat little kids that look like yeah, they're kind of like garbage pail kids. And you kind of get bit. gross powers because, and stuff. That, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, the, it's it's a it's a top down roguelite dungeon crawler that uh, it reshuffles every time you die. You go out into the wastelands with a baseball bat to try and find resources for your dwindling camp, and uh, you you can pick a bunch of different characters. And as you go into the wasteland, you'll find things that will mutate you and give you new gameplay abilities. Like I, I found a pair of bat wings that uh, let me double jump and glide. And uh, it, or, now there, there's like sneakers that let you double jump. The, the bat wings will launch you up into the air and then you can glide down. Hmm. Um, even though it's top down, the levels uh, are kind of, they, they have terrain and they, you know, you can find up paths and down paths. Uh, there's a lot of, mutants wandering around that you need to bash the shit out of and uh you will die frequently and then respawn and go out in a co- into a completely different world and try to make progress i want i wanted to ask you this because this is a roguelite roguelite with mm-hmm. a t i think um how does that work with what what do you retain in terms of your powers or progression compared to what what completely starts over when when you die i'm not really sure um uh, i haven't and haven't actually died with the the bat wings yet, so I couldn't, oh, I see couldn't tell is. you for okay. sure. Yeah, okay. yeah, no, I, I got really good after I found those. Nice, but uh, there there are some neat touches because this is published by Namco Bandai. Uh, there is a Pac Man machine at your camp. You can't play uh, it, yes. but it does make sounds when you hit it. And there is also a Pac Man style ball joystick that you can trade your baseball bat in for, and uh, you you go out into the world and you hit things with it. And when you do, they make Pac Man sounds. Waka waka sounds. Yep, yep. Uh, this is yeah. This is the last Double Fine game to not be published by Microsoft. This before the the big acquisition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So so rad is seems pretty rad so far. It sounds like yeah. It's all right. Okay. Um, I, I I had remember I was telling you my theory about Double Fine games. Would you, would you allow me to kind of uh, digress a it's bit? Up to you. So I, Chris, tell me tell me if you agree with me here. I think Double Fine, they are the Kevin Smith of video games. And what I mean by that, I like Kevin Smith, and I love Double Fine. I've met Tim Schafer. I sat next to Tim Schafer on a plane once. Um, It was weird. But anyway, um, (laughs) but they are are a studio. Much like Kevin Smith, they have a built-in audience. And they their games, much like Kevin Smith movies, kind of live in their own little weird viewist universe, little, little quirky universe. But with that audience, it's like what Kevin Smith always says about his movies is, with that audience, like you're, you're, he's guaranteed to make a certain amount of money, but he also kind of has this cap that his movies never really make more than this certain cap. And it feels I was very, just watching something recently, $11 million opening weekend and never more. Right. And, and so it's, that's what Double Fine games always sort of feel like to me is they're, they're very good games. And if you're a fan of them, you love them and you can't wait for them. And then you, once, once they're out, you buy them and you play them. But it's like they never really break through and have this like huge smash success. I mean, Psychonauts, and, and it's like, so like, you could say Psychonauts might be there, either they're chasing Amy or they're clerks. I can't figure out how far to extend the analogy here. Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe Brutal, yeah, maybe Brutal that Legend was, was there. Brutal Legend was there chasing Amy then, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> but, but it's, so yeah, it's like, they are, they're a very good studio and I love what they do, but it does feel like they kind of off, operate on the periphery of gaming always. Much like Kevin yeah, Smith. They've always, had, they've always had that luxury. And I, I was going to use Adult Swim, but that's not fair because every once in a while Adult Swim will put on a show that like, we dare you to watch this. Mm-hmm. We know it's terrible and that's why it's great. Well, Double Fine knows. never does anything like that. Well, Double Fine, what I love is like, it. it's this, 
they're they have like a sophomoric sense of humor but it's never mm-hmm. mean spirited. It's it's some of it. Sometimes is is gross out humor, but it's like I wouldn't call it sophomoric. It's just the only good humor you find in Western games. Mm-hmm. Period. Yeah, but it's like it's it's it, it almost has this innocence about it because it's like oh yeah, there's nothing mean spirited about this. It's just they kind of poke fun every now and then, and they have little gross out jokes. But it's it's silly more than gross mm-hmm. ever. And like I love that about it. Like their games just definitely have this unique spin. But I know what you're saying in in that. I'm not sure what the last Double Fine game I've ever finished is because I don't feel compelled to finish them because there is a novelty to them. Yes. Fair. Yeah. Novelty is and a great word for them. I, I have finished both of the, um, God damn it, the, the Halloween games. Oh, Costume Quest. Uh, I have finished yeah. both Costume Quest games. I actually I do love those games. stacking quite a bit. Stacking was great, but a game, mm. I think I might have gotten up to the last level and mm. then just never finished it. Pretty sure I finished it. <laughs> but I can't remember. My for New Year's sure resolution for 2021 is to finish Psychonauts mm. just in time to play Psychonauts two in three years. Right, right. Should really play the Rhombus of Ruin. The, the That's the VR, VR, VR thing. Game. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I worked on Brutal Legend for a spell there before it got acquired by oh, really? EA. Yeah, that was at Vivendi before the whole mm. the. That's one of the things that kind of got sold off. Um, but yeah, it's I. But that game is weird in that it's like I was talking to you, Michael. I'm like that game would have been so much better without the RTS segments. Like, they just mm, bogged yes. that thing down so much. Yeah. Why do they exist? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was a grand experiment. Like, I, you know, wouldn't change the fact that it got published with that stuff in there. It just... Uh, but the open world stuff was so much fun. Yeah, it was just, yes. Yeah. Um, another game that came out this week, or, or last week, uh, Rebel Galaxy Outlaw. Yeah, so you've had more time the, with that The one. Epic Store exclusive, which will eventually make its way to PS4, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, yeah, I have spent some time with it. It is... Really fun. Uh, if you have, if your life has been missing, uh, space combat sims, uh, this, this delivers pretty well, even though your, your starter ship looks like a literal garbage truck and is referred to <laughs> as such. Uh, it kind of has a wing commander privateer vibe where your, your main character is like, what if Han Solo were played by Jane Lynch and she's out to avenge her <laughs> husband? Uh, and, but, I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's just sort of like this gravel-voiced, gruff character who you'd like you normally only see played by men in westerns or whatever. Mm. Uh, so that, that's cool. But uh, you know, it, it's it's a game where like there's a story to follow with its own missions, but at the same time, like you can take on a bunch of other missions. You can say like, I want to do a patrol for the the local cops or I want to take on uh, raid missions for the local pirates and there are factions you have to curry favor with and you can take on multiple missions at once and say like, okay, I want to do this part of this one now. Now I want to go do this other part of this other one. Um, and the, the space flight is a lot of fun. There are a bunch of options for how much assistance you want. You can have like flight assist and aim assist. You can make it so that you can just hold down the left trigger to uh, lock onto an enemy and follow them constantly. And then you just pour on firepower with the right trigger. Uh, it makes it, you know, I wouldn't say exactly easy, but uh, it definitely helps. Like it can be really easy to get disoriented yeah. in, in a space flight sim. So yeah. to, to have that ability to just lock and continually move with an enemy is, is really oh, useful. Remember in Outer Wilds, that was hugely like, oh, yeah. necessary. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you yeah, would yeah. match the gravity and, and mm-hmm. the speed of that object. Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. And another game that, uh, or collection actually, that took us by surprise. Yeah. Uh, Yakuza Remastered Collection, uh, oh, which yeah. really, Fraulein. 
<laughs> well, Grandia HD, but I didn't would play you, that. Would you say we frawlined it? I we we did frawline it. Unfortunately, <laughs> we missed it. I, I will play it, but it looks it looks really cool. That those games were awesome and always critically acclaimed. Uh, and this is an opportunity to check them out. But Yakuza Remastered announced and came out. Yes, and three's out in the same day. Yeah. Well, that that's the weird thing that uh, three was out with the announcement. So yeah. the what Yakuza Remastered Collection does is uh, it upreses Yakuza 3, 4, and 5 mm-hmm. to 1080p, 60 frames a second. Yes. Gives them a new translated script. Uh, only three is available now. You And it's not available separately. You have to buy the collection for 60 bucks. Yeah. And if you do that now, you will get three. Uh, and uh, Yakuza 4 unlocks on October 29th. Yep. Meanwhile, Yakuza 5 unlocks on February 11th. I cannot believe Yakuza has a Master Chief collection. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's fucking crazy. It's a, yeah, yeah, it's an episodic Yakuza game or like uh it's it's kind of like buying a Yakuza season pass but with games that have just come out before. Kind of, yeah, yeah. But it's, these aren't Kiwamis we were talking. Like they're they're right. not completely remade. They're they're remastered with some modifications. Yeah. Mostly to the you know, which, the performance in the scripts. Which is I mean it's great that we get them, but I'll be honest it, it bums me out a little bit that I was kind of hoping Sega wouldn't do this and wouldn't just like it feels like, okay, we're going to take our time and we're going to do Kiwami and kind of re-release the series over time. And then we just shot our whole load right here. It's okay. Well, these games, they they were already in HD to be honest. They came came out for PS3. So it really is just a matter of like, well, these are already more or less updated. Let's just bring them to a wider audience. You bought an episodic game where each episode is 100 hours. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For sixty dollars. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, even staggering the releases on that timeline still sounds really daunting. little daunting. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I've been chipping away at five for like two years now, <laughs> and, and I'm like, I'm probably like thirty hours in. But I, like that that game supposedly takes you to five different cities. I, I don't think I'm even in the second city yet. Wow. wow. And I'm trying to beeline because one of the cities is where I used to live, mm-hmm. and that's the whole reason I'm playing. Oh <laughs> shit. But, nice. but like even trying to like just do the story stuff and get there as fast as possible, I'm like 30 hours in. All I've done is like I went to one city and like gone through a whole career as like a street racer slash cab driver mm. and like <laughs> beat up a 10 foot tall grizzly bear in the woods. Hell yeah, <laughs> nice. nice. Uh, I'm a little disappointed the the uh, feudal Japan. Uh, spinoffs weren't weren't included. They, they've talked about bringing them over here, yeah. and they, I, I guess there's some doubt on on Sega's part. It's like, do Americans really like the samurai thing? I'm like, yes, we do. We Did love you it. not see the Last Samurai starring Tom Cruise, one of the greatest <laughs> pieces of cinema ever? Uh-huh, uh-huh. No, they are all perfect, Michael. <laughs> well, you seen the uh, the Meiji Restoration one? The combat is really good in that because. Uh, there's like fighting styles, and you have the swords and the guns, so it's almost like a Devil May oh, Cry right. thing. Hell yeah! That alone should get it a release. Huh. Yeah. So yeah, that was a sur- another surprise Gamescom announcement saying surprise, and the first episode, which is uh, Yakuza Three, is out now. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. For sixty dollars, you get all three HD remasters. Uh, and then final, I think this is the final. We we have episode four of Life is Strange Two. Mm-hmm. It came out this week as well. So lots. 
Lots of lots of releases, but you're only going to play Remnant, aren't you? I just, I just you know noticed that. on I just noticed on Game Pass, A uh, Life is Strange season two, episode two is on Game Pass. Yep, but only that episode. What really? That's weird. Well, it, yes. it might be like, uh, because episode one they yeah. make free, I think, with those games. Oh, maybe that's why. Okay, so like I thought that was that. That's a hell of a thing to try out. Yeah. Well, there's yeah. in the news. There's there's a bunch of new um, new Game Pass games announced that um, we'll get to. But I I started playing Slay the Spire. I really like Slay the Spire. It's super fun. Uh, I cannot say enough nice things about Game Pass. I feel like I'm playing more games than ever because of Game Pass, and no one is paying us to say that, and I wish they yeah. would. They could. We, we're open. Uh. We are open to it. <laughs> I keep Core looking. Business. I keep I, – I, I, every every week I Google, St- uh, Google Stadia. I Google Google Stadia. <laughs> I do, and, like, and like surely you're going to announce some kind of comp- – comp- like, competitive game pass thing here this is great it's such a great thing for fucking games mm-hmm. that that's what's because, okay we'll get there right now is. google sucks but well <laughs> here's what's weird sucks. they did an entire stadia presentation for gamescom mm-hmm. yeah there was no news for me to pick out of that that i was like oh yeah cyberpunk's coming out here do you want to buy it here this thing we might abandon no like <laughs> but if you have a a, a a thing a pass a netflix option yeah dude i'll take that well speaking of gamescom We will get to Gamescom, Michael. But first, before we do, we have to kick it off with our... VGA Hollywood segment, the return! Yes! I don't yes! have that loaded up. You'll have That's, to put it in Of in course post. I will put it in post. Of okay. course. <laughs> um, Mortal Kombat, the movie, has some of its stars. So we now know who is going to be playing the roles of Liu Kang, Melina, and Jax. So, uh... Ludi Lin, who is in Aquaman and Power Rangers, is set to play Liu Kang. Uh, with, is it Mikad or Misad Brooks, who is in Necessary Roughness, taking on Jax. And then newcomer Cece Stringer is going to portray Melina. Um, and it's not confirmed, but Thor Ragnarok actor uh, Tadanobu Asano is in talks to play Raiden, according to uh, Deadline.com. Wait, does that mean Greg knows who that is? He's in like every... Japanese movie and definitely in every movie, every Hollywood movie that has a Japanese actor. Okay. Um, I will say that his Western roles tend to not be good. Yeah. But no. he, you know, he has this stillness like Keanu. Um, <laughs> you know, he just like that's sort of his brand is being stillness. very still. Stillness. <laughs> just what we want in motion. You're pictures. still Greg. <laughs> and like Keanu, sometimes it works amazingly and sometimes it's right. kind of laughable. Uh, but uh, in more Mortal Kombat DLC news, this this time announced at Gamescom, um, they have announced the rest of the DLC fighters from the uh, Combat Pack, I think they're calling it. Um, so uh, series regular Sindel uh, is... Katana's mom. Yes, she is coming. And then um, they've already announced it was... Uh, so there's two already out, right? So there's, there's uh, Shang Tsung mm-hmm. and Nightwolf. Yes. Is mm-hmm. the other one? But then the other and ones that are Spawn. coming... Uh, well, yeah, the other ones that are coming had been rumored. So Spawn is coming. He, he got tired of Soul Calibur series and is like, fuck that, I'm going Do to Mortal Kombat. Do still care about Spawn? I, mm, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I heard the comic's pretty good right now. A very dapper-looking Joker is coming. Um, and then old Terminator, old Arnold's version uh, of the Terminator is coming, of the T-800. Dude, I, I wish I wasn't so hyped for Dark Fate. 
I have Terminator is now the Sonic the Hedgehog of movie series. Oh, I know this is going to hurt my feelings, oh. and I keep getting burned, but you keep so coming good. back anyway. And I was like, I was like, I'm not going to pre-order Gears Five. Like, oh, a Sarah Connor character and a T1000. Yeah, oh. all right, you got yeah. my money. Okay, I'm in. Is it isn't uh wasn't Aliens already the Sonic the Hedgehog of movies? Well, I guess, but like I given we discussed this on thirty twenty ten because this keeps happening. I tend to jump in on the worst entry of every mm-hmm. franchise. Mm. My first Alien is Resurrection. My first oh. Freddy is uh, the Dream Child. My first Jason movie is Takes Manhattan. Um, and I work backwards, and I end up loving the series <laughs> anyway. Uh, but like I can get through the garbage. But Alien, since my first one was Resurrection, like it took me a long time to realize that series was ever good. Mm. So Dark Fate's going to be your first Terminator? No, not at all. Like, my dad did the right thing and showed me... It was, like, my first rated R movie. And definitely my first sex scene I watched with my father. Wow. Uh, with that wonderful, <laughs> immortal Terminator last. love fiend theme. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> As Kyle Reese lays it to the mother of our future. You know what my first sex scene with my parents was? What? Please tell me. First, second, don't and say third a home movie. Scenes. Species at a drive-in. <laughs> Jesus Christ! A hot, steamy summer drive-in with my mom and brothers. Where were your parents' hands? Did the armrest look like it was bouncing? Mom and dad, hand check. Hand check. Ten and two. <laughs> my my parents would always send us behind the couch whenever anything sexy happened. Like, okay, kids, go behind the couch. <laughs> what? We were all piled into the car. There was nowhere to hide. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, uh, yeah, we talked a little bit about Switch Online uh, earlier, but they announced two new games. Um, you can tell they're starting to have to dig a little deeper uh, for mm-hmm. these titles. So we have Kung Fu Heroes and Vice Project Doom. Um Wow, the, the other Nintendo Power cover I've never played. This is noteworthy in that this is the first time since 1991 Vice Project Doom has had a release anywhere. I'm also, like, I don't know what Kung Fu Heroes is. Well, now you can go play it for as part of your Nintendo Online subscription. Wait, no, I remember these characters. Yes, yes. It's one of those games, once you see it, you'll go, oh, yeah. yeah oh, yeah, that. the one with the little bald Chinese stereotypes. Sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so if you don't have Nintendo Online, but you do have an Xbox Game Pass, they announced new games for August, uh, starting with kind of the biggest one here, Devil May Cry 5 is now on Game Pass. Dang. I think right now. Yeah. Everybody play that game. I have to say That's, that. It's fucking great. It was supposed to be the defining game of my career, but instead I quit. Oh. Uh, I still have, I still have a very soft spot for that series and that game, and I hope. And I think Greg, Greg is with game. me on that. Like, we can love DMC and DMC Five mm. both equally. Oh yeah, I mean, mm. if you play through Five, there's so many obvious ins- like uh, influences that they took from the Ninja Theory game, and well. I could go on and on. Play DMC Five; it's very good. I wish you would. It's yeah, a fun game. Okay. Yeah, but if, if you don't want to play DMC Five, that's fine. Um, there's other games. So I already mentioned Slay the Spire came to Game Pass. That is really good. Uh, it's a it's a deck building card game with RPG mechanics, but it's it's uh, it's just really well done. 
so that's if you want to go up the spire. If you want to go down the well, down well is there. Uh, Jackbox Party Pack 2, Space Hulk Tactics, uh, what do we got? Pandemic is on here. Ashes Cricket, I know you wanted to play the Ashes Cricket. It's on here, Michael, finally. I mean, if you've ever been curious what, mm-hmm. what a cricket video game is like. Yes. Uh, Age of Empires Definitive Edition, Stellaris or Stellaris, Ape Out is now on there. Um, Bard's Tale 4 Director's Cut. Ooh. Kingdom Come Deliverance. Uh, that's a game a lot of people right. played last year. Blair Witch. Blair Witch is coming uh, to mm-hmm. Game Pass at the end of August. So some I'm really good excited games. for that. Yeah. Game. Yeah. Some really good games are coming to Game Pass. And that is all included with your Game Pass subscription. Uh, which could be one of the reasons for the next news item I have here. Um, GameStop, unfortunately, had to do a pretty big layoff. Uh, it was about, I think, 120 people total were affected. Unfortunately, uh, many of those were on the Game Informer staff. Yeah, these are these are our friends and colleagues that got laid off, and uh, that that really sucks. Which is a, a total bummer because, like, I feel like they're. Uh, I don't know. I've known some people over there, and it felt like their website took a little while to get going. But their website's awesome now. Gameinformer.com is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I, I, I somehow I get the feeling like it's going to be mostly that team. I think uh, I think Andy Mac still there. Andy McNamara is still the EIC. No, no. I'm sure the old guy is going to remain. That tends to be how this works. Mm. But but yeah, I mean it, they were <laughs> no they were hit pretty pretty heavily uh, out of their Minnesota offices there, which is unfortunate. Which which had been like which had been immune to all layoffs in print yeah. up until now. Well, for so long they were sort of the last bastion for print in North America well, at least. But for good reason, and I think it is related to this layoff in that um, you know Game Informer is owned by GameStop, and one of the reasons they were able to stick around is they had built-in distribution in all GameStop retail locations. You would go in and there'd be basically a stack of Game Informers right there near the front counter and it made sense. It was basically a magazine that was promoting and hyping up the things they sold in that store. So now that GameStop is, is let's be honest, been having lots of problems. We've talked about it in recent news stories how they're they're trying new things in their stores. They, they're launching well, all these new the, test the concepts. president banned video games two weeks ago and like you couldn't get a game at Walmart. <laughs> Well, there's that, but yeah. So, um, yeah, I think I think a lot of this is unfortunately tied to the fortunes of GameStop, which is really tied to the fortunes of like traditional physical game media. Um, and yeah, it has taken a hit and lost a lot of market share to things like digital. And so, yeah, it's weird that Game Informer has sort of mirrored that in that that was a traditionally print magazine that then had to figure out what they were doing when everything went all digital and with websites and in much mirrors much the same what GameStop is still scrambling to try to figure out like how do we get a piece of that digital pie you know the brick and mortar retail location it's it's tough well we want that newsletter to come once a month (laughs) exclusive (laughs) exclusive poster we call a cover yeah uh i i I, it's it's more that like um I don't know. Like, I guess I talked to my, like, we had a, my buddy on Jeff who runs a comic store. And I think I sort of predict video game stores becoming like comic stores mm-hmm. in that we only have one game chain left in America, at least, and that's GameStop. You, you, yeah. might, you might be lucky enough. I remember living in San Francisco, there's no independent game store. Yeah, period. it sucks. None. Not one. Everywhere else I go in the country, there's an independent game store. There's there was nothing in in one of the most major cities in America, but we have we have two here, yeah. and I make it a point to I always buy digital, digital, not because 
I'm anti-physical. I guess I am. <laughs> <laughs> when you get to be 40, you might be anti-digital too. Oh, totally. Or anti-physical too. Or how about just for the environmental reasons? What know? if I don't have it 10 years from now? I'll be 50. I'll be more focused on trying to get an erection. Like, I, I imagine <laughs> yeah. at that yeah. point. I don't know. But it's not that... It's not that like I, like I, I said on Kate Crisis a while back, there are no comic chains. There is yep. just people who love mm. comics and sell them and help get them to you. Yeah, like specialty, specialty retail that only focuses on one thing is for the most part gone. Like you don't, mm-hmm. you don't, like bookstores, right? They, they're kind of struggling, mm-hmm. like Barnes and Nobles, Borders, these kind of like, we only sell books. They, they are now struggling. Um, and, and the things that will survive are things like Targets, which are big kind of variety chain stores mm-hmm. where you can go in there and buy pretty much anything. Or Walmart, you can, you know. Yeah, those are the kind of retailers Unless that Unless you want Waterworld in 4K, god damn it. Right. <laughs> Sorry, that was the thing that or, happened. Or it's weird. It's almost, like, it's almost like newspapers where, like, you will have these, like, super niche, just very localized stores, right? But those are almost like for enthusiast hobbyists like like there's there's game stores in the san francisco bay area that specialize in like board games and Mm -hmm. tabletop stuff but it's like right but it's like you have to purposely go out of your way to go there and support them and pay more you know you're paying more there than you are on amazon but it's because you want to see those stores still around and in existence it's it's like when you go to an arcade in addition to that most of those stores offer a game space so i could spend all this time online learning about how to play this game better Mm -hmm. or i could learn with people in person right i think there's there's places there's places for games to take that 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 tact as well yeah and and let's be honest like i I don't want any gamestop employee to lose their job even though i know it's better for you if it happens soon um, but but I, I do want GameStop to go out of business because they've had predatory practices that have not only hurt consumers, as have hurt the entire industry and done nothing but benefit them. And the, the closer we went to a digital world, now they're failing. The consumers are benefiting more and now GameStop is hurting. Right. Because, of course, that's how the formula works. They suck. And I hope they go to business. The purpose of specialty retail is you are supposed to deliver like a level of service above and beyond what anyone else can do or have a level of knowledge. And I think what you mentioned, like those predatory practices, Chris, like that, they were a specialty store that what that didn't have like what we would view as like this exceptional level of service. It, it felt you, you felt like they were squeezing you a lot of the time. Like, no, I don't yeah, want every, the every new thing guy. they added, like refurbished systems was like untrustworthy and terrible. Right. Right and, and, and predatory and and but like you know my buddy Jeff's comic store it's it's not really like that I'll give you a fair price for your shit he'll turn it around um, and and he'll order you whatever you want like to make sure you get whatever you need comic wise mm-hmm. bookshelf too it's a great store uh, and, and and games for less here it's it's been around for twenty years I, I want to say it's thriving just because it's like it's a great place to go in and buy stuff so I say more than anything. Go to your local game store. I, I buy very few. I buy games digital, like physically, just sort of to like support the places I like to. Support. That's what I'm talking about. But yeah, you. It's almost like you you do that on purpose to keep them in business. You know. It's- but but in terms of controllers and shit and systems, I always buy from them. Always, hmm. always, 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 and you should too. Um, always buy from your local store yeah. and start looking into it because. The pre-order game is a racket. <laughs> when was the last time you had a hard time landing a copy of any game? It just doesn't doesn't exist. It's, Especially it's, if you it's go ridiculous. digital. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It doesn't it, do, it doesn't exist? So like, support your local games your, your, your game store right, yeah. right, right now. So do yeah, it right now. And I'm, if you don't have one, you listening, you got to start start one. one. There it's you up go. To you buddy, yeah. that's the way you get it. Yeah, that's easy. 
Yeah, yeah just I'm go talking, ahead. I'm talking to you, Kenny. Mm-hmm. Go to the bank, get a loan, <laughs> sell your shit. No, just uh, set up your wife. Set up a stand on your parents' front lawn. Yeah. Uh, video games, right. bought and sold. Uh, That's right. There you go. There you go. Um, so, yeah, that is unfortunately another story we have to reporting people lost their jobs. Here's Here's a good story to counteract that, though. It looks like the people at Insomniac Games are going to be able to keep their jobs for a while longer because they have a little bit of a security uh, net now that they were acquired by Sony, officially acquired a wholly owned studio now. Uh, they, mm-hmm. They're always sort of like a second-party studio. Yeah, yeah. well, th- like, what... Weren't they originally owned by Sony and then they, they broke off and that's when they did, like, Fuse and Sunset Overdrive? I think they might have. And then they did... Oddly enough, Every they did time a game I think for of the GameStop. word second party, I think of them. Because yeah. they're like the only definition of that. <laughs> it, well, it was them and um, Naughty Dog. Naughty Dog. Yeah. But no, but so yeah, they, they are officially acquired, which obviously is most likely due to the success of Spider-Man. Although maybe it's someone at Sony really loved um, Song of the Deep. Who knows? <laughs> you know? Which was their GameStop <laughs> published game. But uh, <laughs> That's right. But yeah, oh, but yeah, yeah. Spider-Man has sold like millions with an s mm-hmm. of copies uh so it's made a lot of money for sony and that's all i'm going to say about sony and spider-man this week if you want that There's kind of nothing talk, else go to elsewhere. talk about go elsewhere <laughs> tired of reading uh, about dude, that news will be sites. old by the next couple of weeks they disney and marvel will find a deal yeah it just negotiations have fallen apart mm-hmm. and they didn't announce that uh deadline did mm-hmm. yes so uh but yeah so so insomniac getting acquired is really good news here's news i don't know if it's good or bad because honestly what the actual fuck but on during keely's uh opening night live again keely call me it's opening night live <laughs> with host jeff kojima and special guest hideo kojima uh yeah he special was on guest, there their musical guest Madden rapper <laughs> uh, featuring Death Stranding, which is now starring Jeff Keighley because he's a character in the game. I wouldn't say Where starring. are you, Gamergate? Remember how concerned you were with ethics? <laughs> oh, where are you? Oh, it's like it's almost like it wasn't about that ever. <laughs> that is not the weirdest announcement from that uh, demo on opening night live. Uh, nor was the announcement of Ghost Breastfeeding Baby the weirdest announcement. Nay, I reserve that designation for the peeing mechanic that Death Stranding yeah. will have. Isn't it like a network peeing mechanic where, like, if enough players pee Holy in the same shit, spot, yes. something magical yes. will happen? Yes. Do you happen. remember when we gave Peter Molyneux shit for, you're going to plant this tree and this tree will grow and develop? And you're going to pee on the tree. Right. Yes. Kojima's like, oh, you think that's crazy? And it'll bear pea fruit and Hold you'll see my... a family of hobbits eating your pea fruit. You think that's crazy? <laughs> Hold my Asahi. Uh, yeah. If you pee on the spot, a mushroom will grow. If enough players pee on it, the mushroom will have special powers. And what the fuck is Death Stranding? And why do I want to play it so badly? I don't know, but that, that's it's so close. We're only a couple <laughs> months away from it. We'll all know soon. Oh, spoiler. It's going to be terrible. <laughs> I, I can't imagine it'll be terrible. It's Dude, without a major publisher reining that dude in, I mean, it's Sony. going to be the most pretentious thing you've ever played. And by played, I mean watched. It already is the most pretentious thing, and that's the thing is like... I mean, it seems completely batshit, but I'm sure I, I have faith it's going to be interesting. I know, I shouldn't say that. I, I, I do like certain aspects of Metal Gear. But doesn't this feel like a troll? Like, dude, the news is actually what? You have a pee mechanic in your game, and you sat... 
Well, they were in Germany, so uh, P presentation. Uh, <laughs> the P capital of the world. Ooh, uh, <laughs> okay, uh, never mind. Just figure that one out. Um, there were so, so many bad. nations that won a world that lost a world war that loved to be peed and shit on, and so what are you going to do? <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, yeah, so uh, Death Stranding. Okay, man. Whatever. They're taking the piss out of the games industry. Am I right? Oh, yeah. and that is all the news that is fit to play. Well, let's move on to the community segment, which, as always, is what? Segmenting our community. No, it's bringing us together. Last week's question of the week, as you might remember, was, what's your favorite movie that had a clear influence on the games industry? Greg, you weren't here last week. Do you have an answer to that? Oh, man. I mean, all the examples you gave... Uh, like warrior, I th- I feel like the Warriors is definitely my favorite movie based mm. game. What was the one you mentioned? Bebop something? Just Bebop High School. I, Bebop I think High there School. was like a manga and an anime. I have a Japanese one that definitely influenced it recently. Yeah, Battle Royale, man. Oh, absolutely. I wish, yeah. Well, oh yeah, because th- that's like a whole genre now, right? Yeah. I wish there was actually a Battle Royale game though. Mm, right. Yeah, fuck? like a licensed battle yeah, royale game. Where you could yeah. get randomly assigned you get randomly assigned a weapon and it could be a paper fan. Yeah. And you have like <laughs> uh no go zones where you just blow up instantly if yeah. you set foot in them. That could be cool. I think Greg, what Greg meant to say was Guitar Wolf. Yes, the movie. yes. That yeah. was pretty oh. rad. Mm-hmm. Uh, was Wild that was Zero? <laughs> Wild, Zero? Wild Zero, yes, thank sorry. you. Oh my gosh. That was great. I love that movie. Yeah. I will say that when, when you were talking about, uh, like, listening to that episode, I, I started thinking about uh, Life is Strange and how it's sort of the first mumblecore video game. <laughs> <laughs> are you are you saying the actresses from Life is Strange are, are SoundCloud rappers? Are you accusing them of that? <laughs> They are. They are the Lena Dunham of digital characters. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, first responder on VigiGamePocalypse.com was Laser Time Rules, who says Star Wars, despite Star Wars itself taking from many sources itself, this transcended into games with themes, character types, and whatnot. We didn't talk about Star Wars because it's almost too obvious, but yes, obviously a lot of games took inspiration from Star true, Wars. True. A lot of movies took inspiration from Star Wars. I would still argue that Aliens was a bigger sci-fi influence on games than Star Wars. Hmm. For real. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, it, it doesn't focus on family and humans, it focuses on Marines in almost mm-hmm. every single game. Yeah. yeah. So many games of a certain period in Japan had the Xenomorph thing, like especially shoot 'em oh, yeah. ups. It's like almost all shoot 'em ups from like 1988 to present. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just it's like, oh, we'll just steal that design. Nobody will notice. I'm just really pissed off that uh, Flash Gordon didn't inspire games the way I really thought that movie mm. was going to from the late Flash. 70s. I just saw that for the first time. Yeah, yeah. Man, and like listening to that Queen sing that song, like, you didn't have to record the first take. <laughs> like, like, you, could, you have all day to do this. Like, Flash, he's... Ah, the savior of the universe! <laughs> that is one of my ringtones, and I get looks every time. Uh, <laughs> y'all ever watch Big O? That theme song was directly inspired by Queen's Flash mm. Gordon theme. Huh. Big O! Uh, e Hyundai says... 
Oh, <laughs> oh, he's so right. Uh, well, I would have said RoboCop or Running Man, but they were mentioned on the podcast. So my first thought was Saving Private Ryan, yes. which didn't inspire so much as required every single World War II game that followed to have a Normandy level. And each one could only hope to live up to that iconic scene. I also got to show some love for Schindler's List because, as we all know, it was the inspiration for the art style of the modern classic <laughs> Mad World. <laughs> It makes it so powerful when you see that splash of blood and you want to follow it through the scene and see what it does. Mm-hmm. Who could who could forget when Ray Fiennes grabbed that microphone at the camp and yelled hobo chode? <laughs> <laughs> <And, laughs> uh, <but> Ihande he, <laughs> he is both funny and incorrect. Uh, I, but I, 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 I've said this the last couple of years. Saving Private Ryan went on to inform every war game from here on out. Yes. Mm-hmm. But the only reason I feel like Steven Spielberg is a fraud is after watching the Netflix documentary Five Came Home about the movie directors who worked for the War Department during World War II. And the footage wasn't released to the public, but Steven Spielberg clearly saw it. The guy walking around the beach trying to find his arm, the shit on Normandy, like... That was something like John Huston was there filming in color. Jesus. And wow. those are just on film. Like so many of the sequences. And I know Spielberg is, is he's totally like apt to say like, oh, yeah, of course I was inspired by that. But like uh, when you see that the footage of that was actually shot on those beaches, like that's what he's looking at. It is documentary footage of the war that we were he, only he was allowed to see in the late 90s. Only now we can uh, publicly see. Uh, I just want to bring that up again because Five Came Home is a fucking fantastic documentary series narrated by Meryl Streep with Death Stranding's Guillermo del Toro. Hmm. I really need to watch (laughs) that. Oh, oh, oh. Since I'm talking, Colin O'Hara says uh, this is a joint entry for Battle of Britain and Top Gear. Hmm. Uh, because both movies feature great airplanes fighting each other. Top uh, Gun. Fighting each other scenes. And borderline unwatchable garbage when pilots are on the ground. That might be unkind to Battle of Britain. Uh, but I feel like both of these games spawned an incredible amount of flying games, notably the Ace Combat series, which has continued the tradition of flying, uh, of great flying scenes in unwatchable garbage when it comes to sorry scenes on the ground. Shout out to Tom Cruise, who will bring this full circle with a new movie that will feature great jet plane porn and terrible unwatchable garbage uh, for the rest of the time. I, I prefer to, to think of him as like, no, this, it's talking about Top Gear when they're like flying cars around and... And then the rest of the time, it's it's a pretty good TV show. Tom Cruise, the, uh, the old British gentleman, Tom yeah, Cruise. Yes, as Tom well. Cruise. Yeah, yeah. Tom Cruise, Earl of uh, Huntington. <laughs> I don't care about the Top Gun, the first Top Gun movie, like, at all, really. But that new trailer, like, gets me hard mm. watching <laughs> planes break the sound barrier in, like, real life. That shit's amazing. And then there's, like, quick flashes of, like... Remember the bar scene where, whoa, 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 we just do that again. I'm like, that looks terrible. This movie's going to be the worst. <laughs> I mean, if they put... Val Kilmer can't be in this movie. He- We're going to watch a 60-year-old man seduce a woman half his age to take my breath away, <laughs> and then the beat drops, and then we get the fucking dubstep version. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and- man. Can you imagine, God. like, if Iceman's in this movie, like, he- Maverick's going to see him and be like... What happened to yeah. you? No, Val Kilmer has to be in. He was in in uh, Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans, and he was amazing. Great film. Yeah. Oh, great so, film. Want to see him in this? Yeah. All right. Yeah. You can, I mean, he's still alive. You got to bring back mm-hmm. the Iceman, dude. Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, he did. He did say Top Gear. That wasn't just me being. Yeah, he said Top Gear. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's me not being being stoned on haha juice, <laughs> no, which oh. is the sort of the case. Hmm. Andrew Joseph says, "I know this might seem like a stretch, but let's look at the original Rollerball Ooh. as an influence." Good, Good call. I believe this is the influence for those over-the-top arcade sports titles: NFL Blitz, NBA Jam, Wayne Gretzky Hockey for the N64. The Mutant League games and even the Baseball Simulator 1000 games made wonder over the top and fa- and fast-paced experiences for non-sports fans. Greg, I've never wanted so much for a Unity style of badge systems to give Andrew Joseph <laughs> a big shiny badge uh, because that is Rollerball is an excellent point. Yeah, yeah. It, and it that, had that its own great, NES that, If we were writing that in a magazine, that would have had its own sidebar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did, did any of you guys play uh, Death Row on the original Xbox? I remember. That's a Ubisoft no. game. Oh, really? That is, is so fun. Mm. That is like, for years after the Xbox had gone obsolete, my, my best friends back home would get together once in a while and play Death Row. It's like a, it's like a futuristic prison colony, like, ultimate frisbee <laughs> game. Where you can win every game by either scoring more, like, disc baskets or by beating up the other team. <laughs> What's that upcoming oh, wow. Ubisoft uh, rollerball yeah, like roller game? Roller champions. Roller champions. Yeah. Rolling champions! <laughs> You're welcome. Well, James Gardner says, For a while during the last console generation, everyone making a semi-serious war game name-dropped Apocalypse Now as a reference point. From multiple Mm. Far Cries to Black Ops to the very overt Spec Ops The Line, Francis Ford Coppola's Masterpiece was the go-to source for games featuring journeys to assassinate a rogue military operative deep in the jungle, critical looks at violence, and oh-so-much classic rock and Wagner during helicopter attacks. Mm -hmm. Man, he he is not wrong. As far as, like, most war movies go, this is... Apocalypse Now, above all else, is a great... It's a it, it's a movie uh, about a mission during a war, mm-hmm. which is very video gaming. Yeah. Oh yes, extremely. But even like I think the games he's talking about, it's it's like they're like drug trip war movies mm-hmm. where it's just like, well, Far Cry especially is like, hey, look how batshit crazy everything can get, and that's Apocalypse Now. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, it also makes me think of like loading up Battlefield vietnam on like my fucking first pc and listening to credence clearwater revival's fortunate son yeah. loop itself as the game tries its hardest my, to load my, its- my favorite memory of that game is uh getting into a tank and just blasting uh was it deep purple the and and uh yeah the and then immediately, like crashing the tank into a ditch, and it's like, well, that my my cool entrance was uh, somewhat delayed here. Um. I always, I, I, yeah, and I jump like I immediately kill someone, leave my jeep with the sound on, and just teabag away with the in a white room with black curtains. Teabag, 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 yeah. teabag. <laughs> and it had that great theme song that was riffing off both the the Battlefield 1942 theme and uh, Jefferson Airplane's White Rabbit. Bum, 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 bum. With with the Hanoi Jane or not Hanoi Jane? Uh, who was the the North Vietnamese broadcaster who was like propagandist? They they just played clips uh, from her. Robin Williams. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> Uh, that was almost not racist. Thank you. I'm learning. I'm growing. From responses to at VG Apocalypse on the Twitter, 
mm-hmm. I Am Not a Twit says, Bud Spencer and Terrence Hill movies yes! where the heroes literally fight through crowds of idiots with slapstick fare, even through, though each movie, especially Crime Busters, features multiples of the same fights and reuse music to no end. Uh, Yakuza carries on that tradition. I love those movies. Uh, go go watch uh, Trinity and uh, just let 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 it soak over you from there. They the uh, Bud Spencer and Terrence Hill have done a bunch of really silly uh, Italian movies, and uh, they recently had a wow. game called Slaps and Beans that uh, <laughs> is a really good brawler and is also slang, modern day slang. That is game it? really slaps, yeah. man. <laughs> and beans. Well, I think it's, it's mostly for a because... a eunuch with balls. <laughs> most, most of their fighting scenes are slapstick and involve a lot of slapping people. And uh, and they eat beans out of pans all the time for Hell some yeah. reason in those movies. Hell yeah. Yeah, slaps and beans. I have done that this week, and it feels really cool for some reason. <laughs> Eating beans out of a pan. Yeah. Nice. The baked kind. Um, uh, I believe... Conniption Fit says it's an obvious answer. It... It is, but we didn't. Me- we never mentioned it. Mm-hmm. Conniption fits, uh, but he said it's an obvious answer. But the Living Dead series mm-hmm. is clearly what we owe uh, Resident Evil to, and also Dead Rising. They established a set of rules uh, that games could uh, adapt to build tension, and also explain why a single bullet wasn't enough. Mm. You got to aim for the big round fleshy thing on top of the shoulders. You know the the, <laughs> the skull from Decapitac. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or do you aim which in the stomach, the stomach face? That uh, he has, yeah, 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 which, yeah. Which one do you go but for? Inter- do you guys remember that George Romero was at one point uh, supposed to direct the the Resident Evil movie? Yes, and he directed a couple commercials for Ari, I believe. Right, mm. Greg? Uh, that doesn't even ring a bell. But I oh, don't see, Greg, think Greg that... knows way more about horror than me, so that's why I was throwing to him. But uh, I didn't mean to throw you yeah. in the bus. But but I, I I know he did. Yeah. But I, rem- I remember like the one weird detail that came out. It's like, well, Capcom decided against using George Romero, uh, and like they, he he was going to be too silly about it. And like one scene involved a zombie wearing sunglasses. And then I remember like that got reported on IGN and like way back in the day. And then IGN readers were all like, he wanted to do a movie with a zombie wearing sunglasses. What an asshole! It's like. You have no idea what the context for that even was. Like, yes, you're just right. angry to be, be angry. Because Dead Rising is just the most serious of zombie games yeah, out there. Yeah, yeah. And, and no one gives enough praise to Land of the Dead, which is the original zombie dude like extrapolating what beyond the future of the apocalypse looks like mm-hmm. in zombie world, and is filled with way more ridiculous shit than that. Yeah. Opens with a gazebo of zombie band members. <laughs> <laughs> Who then learn to walk underwater? Which hmm. they? Why wouldn't they? Of course. Really need to watch those. Land of the Dead. Yeah. Good movie. Yeah. Uh, well, we've got a bunch of video answers. First one from Mike Amari. Hey, VJ crew. Mike Amari here with the question of the week. Question of the week, of course, was which movie or movies do you think were influential, or your favorite movies that were influential in video games? Uh, for me, I was really surprised that none of you guys talked about the George Romero movies. None of them. You didn't mention Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, any of that stuff. Um, and honestly, if I got to pick out one of those that's influential, I would definitely say Dawn of the Dead is probably his most influential movie when it comes to video games. You know, our idea of what survival horror is really comes from that. The you know, small group of people packed in together, distrusting each other. Uh, the large groups of zombies, uh, hordes of enemies in a place that we normally think of as our homes or the places where we are most comfortable uh, comes from that movie uh, more so than I think anything else. And so games like Left 4 Dead 
uh, definitely call for that hell. The second game, you know, has a level right in a shopping mall. I will even say, of course, Dead Rising. Dead Rising, the game that honestly had to have a disclaimer on the front that it had nothing to do with the George Romero Dawn of the Dead movie because that was how copyright and fringy it was getting and how inspired by it was. So honestly, I think we'd be remiss if we did not talk about the George Romero zombie movies because everything from Resident Evil straight on down to whatever we have coming up next year for survival horror really comes from his template. Thank you again for listening to me this week. I look forward to talking to you guys again next week. He is not wrong. It's just I, I think I would have thrown that out because it's it's such a specific genre of games that it inspired. But also, if you wanted to really hold my feet to the fire, you could have said that Ubisoft's first ever game. Uh, full disclosure: I work for Ubisoft, but their first ever game, like published in I think 1986, was Zombie, which was basically a straight up adaptation of Dawn of the Dead. Mm. Wow! Yeah. Anyway. I, just, I just checked again. The Dawn of the Dead DVD is currently $55 on Amazon. No, it isn't. I, no, no. Yeah, the the, the the remake is fine, but like uh-huh. the original is like, yeah, it's not in print. Uh, and I, The only reason I'm glad yeah, George Romero is dead so he doesn't have to live to see his properties ripped from him and like sold at these stupid I, prices. I mean, D- Night of the Living Dead was made public domain because someone right. forgot to file a copyright or something like that. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we also have Cody Laveau, who says... Cody Laveau! Hey, BGI sketch, Crippler Cody Laveau. This is my little girlfriend, the kangaroo. She loves me. Oh, she's, she's adorable. Me. And, um, you know, I couldn't really think of a movie that influenced video games. But I can definitely think of a very strange video game-inspired movie. It was a film that came out uh, a couple years ago, very early, called Hostiles. And it's the only roguelike movie I've ever seen. It's, uh... Like a filmed version of Oregon Trail, where you start out with like ten soldiers, and they go down the the uh, trail, and people die, and they pick up other people, and these little events happen, these random events, and um, the cast that you end up with at the very end is not the same cast that you start with. And uh, personally, I think it's crazy because I've never seen a roguelike movie ever. Uh, it's it's like a western movie. It stars Christian Bale. Ben Foster for the first time since 310 to Yuma. She's going to try to get oh, phone. Trust me, I'm still here, though. Hostels, check it out. We'll see you next week. <laughs> Later, Chris and Michael and um, and uh, Matt and uh, maybe even a special guest out there. I'm going to get the phone away from my beautiful little Rue here. We'll see you next week. Later, guys. He mentioned you, Greg. Hey. <laughs> uh, the Thanks for the shout-out. Tried to attack the phone. <laughs> I like the name Hostels because it sounds like an XFL team name. Mm. I like it because it sounds like the sequel to the film Hostel. And I just go- mm. I've, I can't believe I've never heard of this. What a great mm. thing to bring No, I've heard Jesus, <laughs> Greg. <laughs> seen both those movies. Uh <laughs> No, just not uh, the hostels. I didn't know Christian. If Christian Bale's in a movie, you think you'd know about it, but here we yeah, are. Here we Last, are. like, eight months ago, Christian Bale's in a movie you've never heard of. Hostels. Yeah. All right. Uh, Jay Hines says Hey, how's it going, uh, Laser Time crew? Jay here. Uh, so, the question of the week was what movie that influenced a video game is your favorite? And I immediately thought of The Legend of Zelda. Uh, specifically Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past, which is my favorite Zelda game of all time. And the movie that I thought influenced it the most, and ironically has the name Legend in it, is the movie Legend, obviously. 
It has elf boys, fairies, uh, evil demon creatures stealing a princess in a big creepy castle. It's got all of the amazing fantasy tropes Tim that Curry you want giant in a movie slash adventure game. And speaking of castles, I just want to show you uh, quickly uh, where I happen to be living in Michigan right now. He lives in a castle. Yeah, so that's castle. pretty much a castle. If you're interested in Possibly learning more, it's called the Grand Castle Apartments in Granville, Michigan. There are over 500 units in that bad boy right there. I've been here since December. It's pretty sweet. Uh, they've got castle themes throughout the whole building. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty awesome. And yeah, there's a little, I can't see it, there's a little lion right up up there <laughs> all right thanks everybody and i'll see you your next time. landlords paying you to promote their building <laughs> because if so that's awesome that dude lives in excalibur 500 units palatial internet <laughs> are we talking about like an actual medieval castle themed uh, apartment complex like apartment complex? yeah it's oh, yeah. gigantic like at medieval times it looks like a huge yeah. hotel in the middle of nowhere <laughs> yes wow. that's pretty great drink grog with all of your friends yes, yes. they make tenants joust on the weekends mm -hmm. That's how you dictate who gets rent control, yes. who doesn't. Here's your dead boar for the evening. <laughs> We've got 30 to 50 of them downstairs. <laughs> Do you like video games? We don't have those, but wake up every morning and try and see who didn't die polio. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know there's not a 1940s announcer in the medieval times. We've right. put roosters in all the hallways, so you get up bright and early. I was wondering why you went polio instead of the plague for medieval polio. stuff. <laughs> 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 Which rat has cholera? <laughs> Remember to turn to tip your turnkey at Christmas. <laughs> um, finally, J.R. Rawls says, J.R. Rawls here answering the question of the week. What's your favorite movie that had a clear influence on the game industry? Without a doubt, this would be Raiders of the Lost Ark. Now, Pitfall Harry in the Atari era. Laura Croft in the PS1 era and Nathan Drake in the current era are clear descendants of the character of Indiana Jones. But that's not why I think the film has such a strong influence on the video game industry. Rather, I think it's in a neglected field, that of adventure games. If you play Uncharted, it feels like an arcade version of an Indiana Jones movies. But most adventure games have a ton of puzzle solving. And if you look at the very first minutes of Raiders of the Lost Ark, that's mainly what Indiana Jones does. Use hand on light. Whoosh! Spikes come out. Use sand on bag. Use sand with bag on temple weight mechanism. This fails, and then he then has to run away from a boulder, at which point he encounters a character who bargains with him. He uses a series of dialogue choices that leads to further adventures. Uh, after he escapes from this opening scene, we see Indiana Jones go to various places, talk to various people, get various clues, which lead him to various other places, which allow him to experience more puzzle-solving, more uh, dialogue options with people to try to get further along in his adventure until the very end when, rather than winning with a big action piece, he closes his eyes thanks to a dialogue that he received earlier in the film where he was warned not to look at the Ark of the Covenant. 
And of course, the company that made Raiders, Lucasfilm, went on to become LucasArts, the company that made the classics of the adventure game genre. Maniac Mansion, Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis, Grim Fandango, Full Throttle, all are well-known and well-respected among people who enjoy adventure games. And I think the clear evolutionary line can be traced back to Raiders of the Lost Ark. Right. Put a lot of work into that video, so everybody go to J.R. Rawls's uh, YouTube channel and check that yeah, out. I love J.R. Rawls. He's, he's an 302010 MVP. If you were yeah, if you were hearing pauses in there, he has visual accompaniments that, yes, uh, he does. that, that wow. are showing. And, and he's he's so right about that. And and I think we talked about it briefly on bonus time, a show we do exclusively for patrons at patreon.com slash laser time. The only reason we have Star Wars is because the Flash Gordon people said no to George Lucas. Like they were too they were too good <laughs> for George Lucas, this American graffiti dipshit. Uh, we don't want to adapt our serials into a major motion picture with you. We'll do it later with Dino De Laurentiis. But like, uh, uh, but my speculation is that like uh, Spielberg and Lucas were had such huge clout that they wanted to recreate the serials they saw in movies as a kid, and by that I mean the ten minute shorts that would appear before movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, like not unlike Donald Duck cartoons, you could have a Commander Cody. There'd be, the things you see on Muppet Babies. And I, if I'm not mistaken, I and I'm guessing here that Steven Spielberg and George Lucas got really high and drunk and watched all of one of those at once and realized that at every 10 minutes there is a crescendo moment or an ending, whereas most movies are three-act structures. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when you watch Raiders of the Lost Ark, it works very much like a video game in that it has to reward you every 10 minutes with some kind of big moment. Uh, be that like Marion holding up, uh, I'm your goddamn partner! Or, 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 or a boulder, or darts, like uh, or Nazis, or a plane moment. Like Seriously, every movie that came up before that, and even after, like big things happen three times, and then they don't happen anymore. Mm. Even in Jackie Chan movies, uh, that's how it works. Yep. Yep. Uh, there are big fights, like four times a film. Mm-hmm. But Indiana Jones and Star Wars had big moments about ten times a film, and I do think that inspired video games, and I wish I would have thought to mention that, Jerry. Huh. Good, good on you. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that also ruined movies forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it did. It's like if everybody was like, this Pulp Fiction movie's pretty good, let's make one of these every summer, and that's mm-hmm. what Michael Bay does. Uh, he makes Armageddon all the time, yeah. Yeah. which has too many Indiana Jones crescendo moments. Mm-hmm. All right, new question of the week. Uh, in honor of our localization theme this episode, what is your favorite bad translation in a video game? I'm just going to come right out and say my favorite is in Castlevania II, Simon's Quest, the prosess in everything. I don't I don't know, for whatever reason, that strikes a chord for me. You now possess Dracula's rib. You now possess Dracula's eyeball. Uh, it keeps popping up. I thought it was just for one of them, but uh, it's a lot of them. Oh, and uh, Bimmy and Jimmy, but <laughs> from Double Dragon Three. Someone yeah. else go. Uh, I'm a big fan of I-, I Feel Asleep. Yes, <laughs> from the original Metal Gear. Yes. Metal Gear. Yes. Yes. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the Japanese version of Super Mario Sunshine. Shine get. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <sighs> I just saw the latest trailer for Shenmue Three. Uh-huh. And <laughs> that whole they, game they, is your answer. That whole they, game? Ha- 
I love how Greg just mentioned that and it sounds beaten. <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel because I just feel like I mean they they seem like they've studiously copied the the vibe of Shenmue One and Two's English localization, which was like in my mind the most atrocious localization that I can think of. Just like. I'm just thinking you, 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 like Shenmue 1 in its own time was the most expensive game ever made. Yes. And it's all about like this, like obsessive level of immersion where you can like examine every bottle on the desk and like the box of oranges in your closet. But then like the localization was just so bizarre (laughs) that it completely removes you from it. And now it's like in the Western, like outside of Japan, that's become part of the series' identity. And they're like, well, this is what the fans want. And so they, they track down the original actor uh, of uh, Ryo, the, the protagonist. Mm. And like, it sounds just like the old games. Yeah. And I'm just, it's, yes, it was the, kind of the flat readings of the yeah, lines yeah, and stuff. Yeah. Well, you, so you mentioned flat. it was the most expensive game ever made. So they figured they had to reuse those assets for three as well because it. Basically, looks like they they're using a lot of the same assets, just up-res. There's a moment where this, like, it's Ryo who's dressed like the Fonz, and he's at like some Shaolin temple talking to a guy who looks like Sun Tzu, and, <laughs> and this guy is like a Shaolin monk. He he goes, "You appear to be Japanese, and judging from your appearance." You seem like you might be a martial artist. <laughs> it's like, I'm not even sure if that's a localization issue or just a logic issue. Like, what, what? What about his leather jacket, jeans, and undershirt makes you think that when you're dressed like the original kung fu master? I don't, yeah, because the way the way he looks, he could easily turn to camera and be like, "Hi, I'm Johnny Knoxville, and welcome to Jacket. <laughs> We're here at the Shaolin Temple. We're gonna fuck around with some monks. Keep stay tuned." So, you know, Shenmue is. We were talking about like the greaser culture in in Japan mm-hmm. and how it never went away. I do remember like Shenmue being one of the first games. I was like, why are the greasers in this game? Like, because it's supposed to isn't it supposed to take place in the eighties? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or maybe early nineties. Like, like it's like late eighties, early nineties. It's right, right on the shoulder, right there. But yeah. man, they still yeah they still had them in that game, and you would beat them up with QTEs. Yes. <laughs> Well, and the and the virtual fighter engine. Yes, oh, yes, that's, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Uh, well, Matt, since you mentioned the Shine Get, I wanted to say I have a book sitting next to me, uh, published by Legends of Localization, which is a great site that yeah. uh, they have a Twitter account you should all follow. But uh, the book is called "This Be Bad Translation, Comma Video Games," <laughs> or "This Be Book Bad Translation Video Games." <laughs> Sorry, and. Uh, one of the things they talk about is that, like, Japan has kind of developed its own version of English that it uses in ads and movies and video games. Mm. And it's like, they don't really care what the quote-unquote proper version of this is. Like, they don't care if it's, like, incorrect or it sounds weird. It's just like, no, this is the version of English that we understand and like. And yeah. so we'll say things like, let's blocking in Street Fighter. But yeah, they, they don't they don't really care if, if this is correct in in our eyes or not it's it's what they understand it's what they appreciate is that like that phenomenon of the dirty words on shirts that for a while you would see like i I think that's more like that we'll put like kanji characters on it's like oh this means great inner strength it's like no it means crazy diarrhea 
but but like in Japan for a while, that was a trend where they would wear shirts that that said like "fuck shit," and it would you would just yeah. like eh. or like "I am Trash Man," six hundred and forty yeah. million dead cops. <laughs> yeah. <whatever> yeah. <laughs> Um, Greg, you might know more about that phenomenon, but, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, it's kind of like the kanji tattoo thing. They yeah. think the foreign language looks cool inherently, and they ah, don't think too much about okay. how, how it would sound to a native. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but, uh, but like, the shine get thing is, is one of those. Yeah. Like, that's why they changed it in the U.S. release, like... I wish they hadn't, though. Like, Ooh. technically, yeah, that my answer didn't really count because it didn't make its way over, but... The memes that Shine Get spawned were pretty yeah. classic. Mm-hmm. And and I will always have a soft spot in my heart for Last Alert with its terrible, terrible localization in English dub, including lines like, People won't like you, Steve, if you're too stingy. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of stingy. <laughs> Uh, that's that's a thing of beauty. Anyway, what is your favorite uh, bad translation? Let us know. Go to vidgamepocalypse.com and answer under the comments for episode 330. Alternately, you can hit us up on the official Laser Time community on Facebook. Uh, there'll be a thread there where you can answer. Or you can just ping us on Twitter at VGApocalypse and let us hear your wonderful, wonderful answers. Uh, anyway, that's it for our show. Let's go out with some plugs. Greg, what have you got? What, where can people see your stuff? Uh, I, I tweet about games on... Uh, uh, so I, I tweet and stream under the name Lacquerware. Uh, and on Lacquer. Twitter, it's at LacquerLeaks. Because lacquerware was taken. All, all those hot lacquer leaks, the latest from the <laughs> lacquer industry. Exactly. Yeah, it seemed clever at the time, but well, what's, what's that come uh, I realized from? that most people can't even read the word, so oh. kind of failed branding. <laughs> is it is it because the Japanese love their lacquerware, or why why pick that it, name? There was this whole spiel about like polish and like the combination of aesthetic and and function. Oh, nice! I I, I had my head up my own ass. (laughs) We all did at some point. Come on, you're not special just because you had your head up your ass. Yeah, ask me about my Xbox gamer tag and my fucking (laughs) PSN handle. We'll talk. Ah. All right. Well, since uh, Chris's cat pulled out the power cord, Matt, yeah. you want to you want to lay into yes. the laser time plugs. patreoncom slash time is a site you can go to, and you can give us money so that Chris can afford a door to keep his cat out of the mm-hmm. podcasting recording studio and pull out the power cord. Uh, it's also a place where if you contribute at the five dollar or more per month level, you get access to shows like the exclusive episode of Cheap Podcast, uh, which was a preview of SummerSlam as well as NXT Takeover Toronto that was available only to patrons. Um, there's also bonus time, as Chris mentioned, which is our weekly patron exclusive show again available only at the five dollar or more level per month but hey if you can't support us that way that's okay there's other ways to support vga such as telling a friend or going on itunes and writing a review yeah. and liking the show and if you're not which subscribed, will help other people find us that's that's how other people find us and if you're not already subscribed first of all Really? But second of all, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and you will get us in your ear holes every week and then go on the Twitter and subscribe to Cheap Popcast and then subscribe to me at Maddie C. Allen and that's M-A-T-T-Y-C-A-L-L-E-N. 
Well, as always, you can follow the show on Twitter at VG Apocalypse. We'll we'll always tweet when we as soon as the show's up. So if you're up at three a.m. on Thursday nights, uh, you'll find it Pacific. Pacific, Pacific, yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's that's when our UK readers or listeners discover the show. So. Great. Uh, but uh, also, you can follow me personally on Twitter at Wikiparas. Anyway, that's been our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. This, you know, this we do have the legislature here, man. <laughs> three universities. Um. <laughs> well, you needed three to make up for just having one good university. You see how it is. Ooh, all right, I have FAMU fan. I <laughs>